Yeah. And I do have the the Rob Inman uh, script here sent to me by his people, his PR department. Uh, all right, looks like the light is going green. All right, the light is going green. All right, everybody, Coca Talk episode seventy six. We'll be doing it live in three, two. This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coco Talk, episode 76. The train's about to leave the station. The wreck will follow shortly thereafter if I can find the right button for my train wreck. I think I'm on the wrong soundboard. That's my problem. I am. I have the completely wrong soundboard going on here, but that's okay. We'll deal with it. I don't have a train wreck. No, actually, you know what? I'm going to need to switch soundboards because we need like our toilets. We need our train wrecks. We need all that kind of stuff. So I will switch that yeah, over. If James was here, we, we could just live. wait for his train. But uh... Yeah, right, right. So we are live. We've got seven people in the uh, live chat already. So Davey Mitchell was one of the first people here. Then Tim Franklin was here. Paul Fiscarelli's here. Chad Edward Cunnington is here. That's Nick's neighbor. Anybody in Australia is Nick's neighbor, by the way, just in case you didn't know that. Mark Overholzer, Curtis Boyle, Chad's here. Eddie Serbinski's here. Steve Bjork, Davey Mitchell, Al Hartman. It's the entire freaking world is in the live chat. And with us on the panel... The guy who made Audio Spectrum Analyzer is with us. Mr. Steve Bjork is in the house. Hey, hey everybody. Steve. Hopefully you're doing good. We are all doing. Well, we're not doing as good as Grant Leedy. <laughs> and none of us have David yeah. Ladd money. We, we so can't all be as sexy as Grant. So. <laughs> you're sexy for your cocoa. Uh, What's that look for, Jason? It. Too sexy for his hair. <laughs> and... <laughs> We have with us the Apple guy himself, Mr. Mark D. Overholzer is in the house. Hello, Mark. And that's a lovely shirt you got there. I like it. I it like it a lot. It matches the Coco background to Cork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at that. And Grant's wearing his Coco Talk shirt. Bruce Morth is forest of them. From, oh, Canada, we have L. Curtis Boyle. Hello and welcome back, Curtis. Hello, man. There's my Coco wearing Fest his, shirt. Coco Pride. There we go. Coco Fest 2018. We have from whereabouts unknown, as seen at Korgscon, at Hamvention, at Cocoa Fest 2018, maker of the switcheroo, we've got Jason Reichert in the house. Hello, hello. Hello, Jason. hello. hello. Uh, we have with us just, well, he just kind of came, he left. Um, uh, we also have with us, as recently seen, rubbing elbows with the 8-bit guy, Brian Weasler is with us in the hello, house everybody. today. Hey, Brian, thanks for being here. We have the host with the most, Mr. Bringing Sexy Back, Mr. Sexy Never Left. Grant Leedy is in the house. Hello, Grant. Another Canadian uh, from O Canada. We got D. Bruce Moore. Welcome, hey, Bruce. Hello. Creator of Forest of Doom and Coco Forever and um, other projects to be yet revealed. We've got the timber man himself, Ron Delvo, is with us. Hey, Ron. We have creator of Boomerang Mania, Mr. Richard Lorbieski of Boy Technologies joins hey, us. Hello, Richard. 
We got from Jersey. What exit? Al Hartman is here with us. 117. 117. The Thunder from Down Under from Australia. Good day, everyone. Nick Marantes. Good day. Good day. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. And we have a special guest, and um, uh, we, we really need to save the best for last here. But last but certainly not least, a man who needs every introduction because nobody knows who he is. Uh, he's been stuck in the middle of Thexter since 1987, destroyer of motherboards and creator of boomerang mania is real. It is Beaker himself. Of course, now my soundboard's not working. Hold on one second here. <laughs> this is a professional shit show here. I can tell you that much. All right. So Beaker himself, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the program for the very first time, Mr. Rob Inman. Ta-da. Hello. Hello I, uh, hey, Rob. Uh, I picked Beaker because I destroy things, but I mean well. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, can can you can you do your best? Thank you. You too kind. You too kind. <laughs> Rob there. Chad Edward is here. Chad, the Chad's the guy who brought our show down <laughs> due to his copyright request. Yeah, so uh Retro Innovation is here, creator of the warranty returns. It's Boys on Technology. Yes. Yeah, so welcome to the program, Rob Inman. Um, you've been, um, you've been in the live chat quite a bit. You've joined us on discord recently. You created the, actually, why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead before we get to know Chad, uh, which by the way, are you single? Cause we can make this a whole dating clip for a, for a, um, site, uh, a dating site if you need to, uh, this is called get to know Rob Inman. Um, but before we do that, you're going to answer that uh, question. I was going to say I could use this for my uh, Tinder profile. Sure. <laughs> there you go. For your <laughs> there you go. All right. So, creator of Boomerang Mania. Boomerang Mania is real. If you have not seen this video, we're gonna play it for you right now. Here we go, boys and girls. That is epic. I do have another concept for a, a video, but uh, you know I don't want to give anything away. Okay, okay. I do have one question for you on that commercial. Well, How that's... did you get Bernie Sanders to volunteer to lift weights? <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time that's uh for that commercial. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the guy from Jackass, isn't it? That's uh, and he did a he has a grandfather character that he does, right? It's not Steve O. It's the other guy. It's uh, Christ. 
Can't you think know, of his name right now. I think that guy was, I don't know if it's from Jackass or not, but I think that guy was an actual bodybuilder that they dressed up as a old man. Yeah, and he right. went down okay. to Castle Beach and and did that, but he's actually lifting a real weight, I think. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Maybe right. it is from Jackass, but I just found it online. I thought, well, it's like an you know the Coco's an old man and it's lifting. You can lift weights with your boomerang. There you go. It's not only does it add memory, but it also speeds things up apparently too. So it's an accelerator. Right. <laughs> Unless the out, it will be an accelerator. Because we won't have that. Yeah, uh, had a six or nine. That's bus. that's part of it too. So, I like your Coco Talk graphic back there. Thank you. It keeps going off. I'm I'm Apple TVing to uh, to that uh, screen. Thank you. Excellent. So, um, since since nobody knows who you are, and we're all dying to know, why don't you tell us your short life story and. Um, from then until now. Yeah, so I, I really am stuck in Dexter. I have been since 1987. Um, I can't find my way out uh, to even get to the to the ending, of which there is no ending, as we know. It just goes back to the loops back to the beginning. Um, had a uh, childhood was TRS-80 Model Threes and Fours. Uh, took my first computer class using those computers. Uh, had a 16K Tandy Color Computer Two. Uh, later 64k and then once I got a Coco 3 with a CM8 I uh, uh, never looked back and by never looked back I mean I never saw artifact colors again until <laughs> until the boomerang came along of which you can have a CM8 the or boom. any other monitor and see artifact colors with the flip of yeah the switcheroo the switcheroo so uh and, and i'll i'll actually write a welcome into the discord but uh you know definitely got me interested in technology never was able to really program um, starting to learn that now um uh but i ended up working in dot coms and now i work with oracle and ibm and doing uh, uh just kind of uh, business development stuff but it's pretty cool and i get to take technical pre-sales tests and be nerdy and pretend like I know things and stand in front of people and talk about stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we've all enjoyed that boomerang mania video that you made for us. It's gotten a lot of great mileage. Um, great video that is on par with the product it represents. <laughs> and as uh, Richard, you still here with uh, us? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Still here. So why why don't you share with us right now since we have the creator of that video? How did how did you feel about that video the first oh, time I, you saw I it? I thought it was awesome. It's still awesome. I don't get tired of watching it every time I see it. <laughs> and his royalty checks in the mail, right? That's right. <laughs> no, right right now I got uh, one of his boards. Um, it was Sheila. Uh, that's going out today. I've been testing it out thoroughly yeah. and. Uh, then I got the other one, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you, Ron, about it later on. Yeah. Excellent, no excellent. And now that you now that you are back, um, um, yes. Richard, are, is uh, are boomerangs back in production? Will they are they available? Will they be available? Oh, okay. Soon? Well, anyway, yeah. Actually, I was going to make an announcement on that. Uh, I have been working on a, a redesign, uh, getting feedback from people, uh, and. And I uh, wanted to add a couple of features to it. So um, the boards have been finished. Uh, He's adding an accelerator. That's it. Yep. Add an accelerator. 
And I'm gonna I'm gonna put two layer uh, uh, two layer graphics in it. Oh. <laughs> what? No sound chip. <laughs> no sound chip. But, um, yeah the the uh, uh, the boards are being shipped as as we speak. Uh, well, actually, they're sitting on the production floor. Unfortunately, uh, it's National Day in China, so uh, they probably won't get shipped for another week. Uh, so. But as soon as they come in, uh, what I'm going to be doing is uh, I am going to be replacing the uh, boards that people have pre uh, previously purchased. Actually, I, I was thinking about doing a retrofit, but it was going to be too much uh, a trouble to retrofit car uh, boards. So it's a lot easier just to ship out new boards. And so probably around October 14th, everybody... I'm going to start with the purse people that had purchased first and uh, sending them out. Uh, it's going to be in and around October 14th. People are going to get uh, new boards. And what's what's the makeup of the new board? What makes, uh, what it, makes new? it new is I have uh, moved some of the components where it makes it easier to uh, fix, repair uh, things. Uh, it, it was just to clean up some of the some of the things like that, and get and also feedback from. Uh, some of the people that had bought it. Uh, one of the biggest features I put on there is the, the LED people want to uh, mount this uh, on the case of their Cocos or somewhere else. Okay. So I have added a uh, some pads to where they can actually solder wires directly onto the boomerang board, and then they can route those to wherever they want uh, for the LED Okay. I have a question about the LED, Richard. Yes. So mm -hmm. when, when I was using, you know, I was running a bunch of different games um, with the Coco SCC, and occasionally they would crash um, for whatever reason. And then I noticed that the one of the LEDs would come on, and I wasn't sure if that was because of a some kind of memory error, or I wasn't sure why it was coming on. Uh, it's probably because it's it's the address that it, it that it probably it, that mm -hmm. it hit. And uh, but it's it's not a uh, it's not a diagnostic LED, put it that okay. way. So it's just probably some random garbage that got in there, you know, when it crashed and just turned the uh, LED on. But uh, the LED okay. has an indicator. You can set it up to high speed, low speed indicator, and also you can change uh, between the three colors and the intensity. Okay, so it has, it has no feet. It has no function other than what you tell it to do. To right. Okay. No, that's going to be very handy for when Stevie reaches Deathcon One. You can increase the intensity. Yes, no, in a blood red color. I'm figuring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I have a question. It'll be like uh, it'll be like a digital mood ring. You should have like a little thing you can put around your finger and a wire that reads to it. And depending on how you're feeling, it'll change right. colors. You know. <laughs> So. <laughs> one, one thing I'd like to see somebody do is to patch it for Dagrath so it matches your heartbeat. <laughs> oh, that would be cool. You might get a seizure towards the end when it starts flashing really quickly. <laughs> anyway, I have a question for Rob. Um, there was a couple of famous authors, a father-son team uh, with a last name that matches yours. It was uh, Don and Kurt Inman, and they wrote it in the same language graphics for the color computer and a bunch of other color computer books. Uh, Don, I think, had articles in Rainbow, a regular column and stuff. Are you related to them in any way? So the short answer is no. I don't know them. I did just just saw the name Don Inman because I was flipping through something, and it may may have been the Rainbow. 
that I was looking through. Um, there are only about 100 Inman families in the U.S., and so there could be some distant relation, but I don't know. I don't know the Don Inman from Rainbow, and, and there's also an Inman wine company that I get asked about a lot. And I don't know the Inman family wines either, but if you uh, if you can hook me up, uh, you know. You'll sample it gladly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good wine. It is. Too bad there's not an Inman bank, too, so you can <laughs> come by there for some samples. So. <laughs> yes, any, any Inmans that are wealthy, if you could. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Those Inmans. But, uh, no. Rob, how long have you been back in the retro hobby now with real Cocos and emulators and all that kind so, of stuff? So after the, after the horror of what I did to my – not the recent horror uh, that I did to a motherboard, but the original horror, which was I was moving from uh, out from college to California, and I got rid of my color computer and all my, all my stuff, really um, – uh, in the in the garbage i don't know how else to put it um but af after that and, and kind of the uh the dark years which i guess were the uh, the 2000s where i kind of was all about the pc and um you know totally modernized um i've started maybe the last uh, three or four years looking at what's coming out with the amiga and i think i kind of talked about it a little bit on chat but uh you know this the of course the amiga has a lot more capabilities and a lot more ability to upgrade it uh, including actual accelerators, uh, not the pretend kind. Uh, and so I, I thought that that was really kind of all that, that was out there. And, and then I discovered Coco Talk, and uh, I wasn't sure if I was really, you know, interested. I thought I wanted to get an Amiga, uh, used Amiga, and really kind of throw myself into that because that was kind of always my, I guess, dream computer. I talked a little bit about the Apple IIGS with Mark uh, Mark O the other night on Discord, the Apple II GS being like the Coco 3 we always wished we had. Yeah. Right, with the Insonic chip and the, you know, the additional memory, et cetera. Um, the Amiga was certainly uh, by far the Coco 3 we all kind of wished we had. Um, and so I was getting into that community when I just discovered the uh, Coco Talk channel. And, and, wow. And basically, uh, I didn't know how interested I would be, but all the stuff with the, the FPGAs and um, the different hardware now that's enabling us to do more things with software. That's why I think people will, I think people will, the software will come. I think if you build it, it will come. And I think we're already seeing mm -hmm. um, a lot of the development tools that it, um, I downloaded the Docker image from, from some guy who presented it, uh, forgot his name. Yeah, Jamie Cho at uh, Coco. Jamie Fest. Cho, and yeah. then there's uh, Roger Cho, Taylor's yeah. Uh, yeah. Phoenix IDE, and there's all sorts of stuff, and and eventually people will start, um, people will start developing for this hardware, um, you know, and I'm seeing a lot of chatter out there on software. So, so anyway, uh, it, it was really kind of the hardware that got me interested in it again, and then and then people like. We lost you for a second. You're you're muted. Shoot, hold on. Sorry about that. There you go. Sorry about that. Um, I was trying to start my Coca Talk logo back. Um. Anyway, uh, I'll I'll reconnect here for a second. Um. 
Hey, anyway, Carlos has just joined like us. Nick, yeah, people like Nick Morentes who are pushing the um, the computer to kind of new levels. You know, I, I always think what what if Popstar Pilot had came out in you know 1986 or 87. Um, you know, every programmer would try to do that uh, split uh, horizontal scroll and the one byte um, uh, technique that he was using. And so a lot of a lot of the new uh, innovations have attracted me. Very cool. Very cool. You touched on you touched on just about every single base. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess I don't know if we should say thank you or apologize because it seems like we pulled you away from the Amiga. <laughs> no, so. no, no. I, <laughs> thank, thanks for hanging out with us, and sorry, sorry, Amiga. <laughs> it's their loss. It's my game. There you go. Okay, the Amiga just lost an outstanding community member. Amiga community would have had an awesome video by now. <laughs> That's right. But uh... <laughs> well, there are Amiga users among our various um, members. Shh! Don't tell people that. <laughs> we have to take Excellent. Al out behind the woodshed. Yeah, yeah and Carlos Ooh, is there. I like Carlos. that. I like that. What, what is it you're not supposed to tell yeah. people? But some of us have yeah, we'll some of better. us have apples and amigos and commodores and what's the topic? We don't just have a cocoa. Uh, that would be me too. I have all kinds of different retro systems. Yeah, for me, Stevie, I, I don't want to start all the way at the beginning, even though kind of the Amiga was kind of, whoa, it's so cool, you know, it came out. Um, my whole life has been Radio Shack and Tandy and and the color computer. So once I discovered that there were actually people out there that are still uh, using it and developing it, um, I, uh, I actually tried to join the Amiga Discord, and people welcomed me, you know, right away, but there's just hundreds and thousands it seems of people and they all have weird screen names and and i immediately just got it kind of got out of there and said you know i think i need <laughs> i think i need to stick with my people in yeah the, in the cocoa world i have a hard time with with screen names too yeah i mean last time i used a screen name i was 19 years old and it was on a bulletin board system ever since then i've been kind of using some form of steve yeah stevie uh, chat and computer <laughs> was the last time i used one you know, so it's just like, yeah, even on Discord now, we've got some screen names. And for the life of me, I have no idea who they are, but, you We're, know, to each their own. When yeah, you, I, I could never um, afford CompuServe. I did I did uh, log into bulletin, some bulletin boards, but um, if I had had some, some kind of Discord and, and some something like this when I was a kid, I mean, that would have been, like, life-changing. So it's kind of like, as most for most of us, like, reliving our... Our childhood is like, well, what if, you know, I didn't have to deal with a floppy disk and I could just load stuff off of Cocoa SDC, you know, what could I have done there? And what could I have done with all these modern tools? And look at all the people that I get to talk to that, uh, um, just yeah. very cool. Excellent. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing a day in the life of Rob Inman with us. Um, cool stuff. We also have um, somebody who's not with us quite a bit, but Carlos Camacho of the Color Computer Store is here. Hello, Carlos. Hi, Steve. And someone who has not been on quite some time, Barry Nelson, is back with us too. So, so Carlos, you want to catch us up on what you've been up to lately? I see you got all kinds of cocos you're posting for sale and your restoration yeah. and stuff. So, why don't you let uh, the the two people who don't know who you are? Why don't you let them know a little bit about yourself and what you've done and what you're doing? Uh, all right, yeah. So uh, Carlos is here, um, living in Massachusetts, uh, originally from Connecticut, originally from Japan, and originally from Brazil. Um, so uh, working on uh, always flipping a bunch of cocos, you know, 
buying those nasty, broken, smelling cocos and uh, refurbishing them, putting them back out there so people can uh, enjoy them. Uh, I've got a couple models out there uh, right now, and I've got a, a bunch of TR-80 Model 1s that I need to work on next, uh, and a TR-80 Model, uh, not a Coco, but like a Model 1. And a couple model threes yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, I've got to work on, mm -hmm. and then I've got about uh, two or three dozen Japanese computers I need to uh, fix and uh, sell. So it's kind of a, a way to uh, de-stress after uh, my day job doing that type of work. Um, and so um, a lot of the projects I work on are related to how I can refurbish or improve the look of those computers and. Uh, so uh, you might have seen uh, some of my posts related to uh, the badges that I've been working on. So, you know, yeah. Right. So working with some Japanese, uh, not Japanese, uh, Chinese vendors uh, to source those and um, a couple other things that I'm going to be sourcing down the road. Um, right now, I'm actually in the middle of, um, I don't know if uh, you'd like to see what I'm uh, doing on my screen. Show. So can, are you able to? Sure. Oh. <laughs> You should be able to. Oh, actually, I, need, I probably need to stop sharing sound for you to be able to share something right. if you want to go ahead and try it. The Richard Lorbieski says your day job is destroying Coco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my day job has uh, really nothing to do with uh, computers at all. Although, you know, originally I studied computer science uh, in college, but then they wouldn't let me uh, make games. You know, they were interested in databases. So I said, all right, goodbye, computer science department. And I became a marketing person. So I'm a, actually, I'm an e-commerce manager uh, now. I've been doing that for quite some time. So I don't destroy Cocos. Uh, I, I, I often find destroyed Cocos. And if I if I find that they're so destroyed, um, like a, a Color Computer 3 that I bought off a, a flea market, that um, it was just like, it was a, probably the worst looking board I ever, I ever came across. That was beyond my skills. So I sent that over to Richard. And hopefully he's going to make a tutorial to show us how he's going to uh, fix all the, uh, the broken pieces on that. Um, so uh, did you want to see what I was doing? Yeah. Uh, sure. Let's see. Go ahead. Share. Yeah, let me share this. And if this doesn't work, I apologize. Or if some pornography Ooh. pops up, I also apologize for that. Um, Okay, so, I see okay, character tiles. Yeah, great. So um, this is a spreadsheet that Ed uh, Snyder uh, had uh, created for his external 6847 um, character generator. And um, uh -huh. and so it's a way to quickly, uh, I mean, it's it's in the Excel, right? It's not a true uh, little sprite editor, but, you know, mm -hmm. it does the job. And so what I uh, was doing was creating a bunch of um, little character uh, sprites. So I was mm -hmm. talking to uh, Brandon, I want to say, who, yeah, okay, Brandon yeah, Dunning. who creates the uh, Coco VGA. Um, wouldn't it be awesome if we could have a bunch of different sets uh, in the Coco VGA so that people could quickly, mm -hmm. you know, bang out games? And you know, literally, I've made, you know, I've got Pac-Man in here. I've got Centipede. I've got, you know, shooters. I've got RPG games in here. Um, and he mentioned yeah. that, yeah, it's quite doable. Um it's there is a limitation on how much he can put in there. It sounds like, but uh, at minimum, um, it's something that I always thought would be really cool because um, it the speed of a character based uh, game is uh, quite quick, right? And um, but oh yeah, you know we were always limited to those blocky um, uh, characters. So um, this is 
kind of interesting concept. Um, in a dream world, we would also be able to modify the color of each of these, you know, I mean, the, the actual, so it's not just black on green, right? That would be really cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let me stop my share. Yeah, well, based on what he revealed with us last last weekend, he, we, he was he was on our After Dark last Saturday. He does now have a character oh, editor really? that that is already kind of basically what you're looking at there, but oh. it's an application. And and not only can you modify the yeah. text characters, which are only monochrome, but you can modify all of the blocks of semi graphics characters too, which gives you eight foreground colors on black. So you technically could have a character sets with up to eight foreground colors on wow. black. Um, and so that I'm planning on taking advantage of that. So my, I'm hoping to get a Coco VGA set up, um, by Tandy um, assembly and, and, and start working and on that. And so, um, could you, uh, provide me the, that link to that, that editor? Uh, probably just go to oh, CocoVGA.com. Um, but he did, he did post some pictures in discord under the Coco VGA mm -hmm. channel where he showed some pictures of the, uh, mm -hmm. character editor. And so I don't know if the program's ready for release yet, but he did show us some pictures of it. So it's, oh, it's very in cool. Works. Very cool. And, and, he, and he did talk about that. So that's perfect timing. Yeah, and your your artwork could already yeah. be you just know. imported in and go basically at this point. Right. Um, yeah. I've yeah. also started looking at a bunch of um, tile sets and sprites that I created a long time ago. Uh, but um, those are for, I want to say, the Amiga. Uh, we're back to talking about the Amiga. Okay. Um, and so uh, last night I was trying to uh, do uh, color reduction to uh, map them over to the uh, Cocoa 16 colors. Yeah. The other thing to share is I um, just got this in the mail and uh, it, it's always funny when you, you, you see a book. See that? It's uh, basic micro. Microcomputer models. Yeah. And biology. So um, this is kind of my fetish, uh, which is uh, buying books uh, from this era, you know, and usually, you know, you get some really cool titles once once in a while, like uh, related to the 6809 or um, the dragon or some other topic, right? Pascal, etc. So, one, but once in a while, you come in across a book like this, and there's no information about it, but it sounds cool, right? So I'm thinking, ooh, this could mm. be a good foundation to make uh, like a Conway uh, game of life type of uh, game. Um, yeah, so oh, I bought it, yeah. and now I'm flipping through it, and I'm like, whoa, holy shit! I have. Can I say that? <laughs> Can I say that? Are you guys not ahead of me? Okay, you already did. You know what that reminds me of? I tried playing the cartridge game. Uh, Raider Shack has a cartridge game called yes. Atom, where you've got to like make molecules and protons and neutrons. And, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm notorious for not reading the manual. I tried to read the manual. My head exploded trying to read the manual. So I'm like, screw this game. I'm not playing it. But, so, um, but that's, th that sounds similar yeah. to that concept too. So cool stuff. I yeah, love old Carlos, books. Did they want $600 for it? Yeah, that, 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 that's always a funny <laughs> one, right? Where, um, you have these guys, um, who will probably start it on Amazon and they'll put like a thousand dollars for the book. And then some guy will see that and then they'll go to eBay and they'll charge like $600. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing that, um, you're probably aware of that I'm doing is, uh, let me, sorry. I've got a big box here full of old um, color dynamic news, right? Um, so all the issues. And so uh, every month I bang out one or two of these, I scan them and then I'm uploading them over to the uh, Is that color. Dennis Kitz's uh, magazine? No, uh, no, I don't believe so. It's, uh, it's someone else's magazine. And I, I should know this because I've been, 
I've been scanning this like all the time. Um, I remember hearing about it, but it's one I never got uh, a chance to hear. Bill Chappelle. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've got about something like 40 more issues to go. <laughs> I'll get there. Uh, but you can find those on the, um, the Color Computer Archive, and they're pretty informative. They're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love looking at those things too. Um, cool stuff, cool stuff. Well, we've been going for like a half hour now. Maybe we'll take a brief break, but I'd also like to hear from Brian on uh, his adventure meeting the eight bit guy. We saw that picture of him in the studio. That'd be kind of cool. So how about we do that real quick? I'm going to take a quick moment here. We're going to recognize our sponsors. We'll take a commercial break and then we'll come back. So you are in the middle of Coco Talk episode seventy six. We do have a our primary segment today is going to be our wait a second. Assembly Part 7? I screwed that one up. It's Assembly Part 8, right, Steve? Yes, I'm pretty sure it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, so so I, I screwed up there on my little subtitle there. Yeah, so we are going to, our main segment today is we're going to do Part 8 in our series on Assembly Language. So, um, which is good. And so let's, uh, let's do real quick. Let's take a look at our sponsors. And um, one of our sponsors who we had on last Saturday night for After Dark number 15 was Brendan Donahue, and he gave us an update on the Coco VGA project, and I continue to be more and more excited about this project, and I'm planning and hoping and dreaming. All I want for Christmas this year is a working Coco VGA setup. So if you'd like to find out more about that project, visit CocoVGA.com. Richard Boisson, Richard Lorbieski of Boisson Technologies, makers of fine hardware that is pre, uh, pre-assembled and ready to be returned to retro innovations. Visit boisontech.com for Boomerang Mania because it is real. Um, maker of fine quality hardware and fixer of lesser quality hardware, retro innovations. Our good friend Jim Brain at go, the number four, retro.com. He's got a peripheral for all kinds of systems. So for your TIs, your commodores your commodes if you will and your color computers he's got a little something there and we would be remiss if we're talking about coco hardware one of the longest standing members of the community to develop new products and peripherals for the color computer cloud nine technologies at cloud the number nine tech.com other cool things the sd pack if you'd like to make a self-booting hd cartridge like a rom pack visit sdpack.com if you have not already gotten your very own switcheroo visit coco3scartcable.com or cocoman.biz the only leading cable that lets you switch from rgb to composite with the flip of a switch ron can you confirm if we're on roku yes we are uh, I'm, I'm okay in, uh, so we live I'm in stream t- uh, communication with roger right now Oh, it's not time we said hi. So we also live stream. Not only are we live streaming on um, YouTube, but we also live stream to the Coco TV channel on Roku. Thank you to Roger Taylor for making that happen. Um, if you want to get a cool T-shirt like what Mark Overholzer's wearing, like what I'm wearing, um, if you want to get a cool mug, uh, you can go to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com. Um, if you want to find out more about the color computer, go to imacoconut.com. If you'd like to find out more about Coco Talk, the show, and how to reach out to us, go to cocotalk.live, where you can send us email feedback and tell us how bad the show sucks. If you want to see a professional podcast, you can go to the Coco Crew at thecococrew.com org four years in the running the original often 
imitated but never duplicated the coco crew podcast also our good friend brian joyce of extructus productions at fd501.com also a guy who dabbles in hardware and cranks out a product or two ed snyder aka the zipster at the zipster zone z-i-p-p-s-t-e-r zone.com check them out tell them thank you send them some business show them your love they're supporting us let's support them and we'll be back in just a minute folks Hi there, this is Mark Overholzer, and you're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly talk show where you can join in. Hey, come watch us and see what's happening in the world of Coco. We'll return after these announcements. How does it feel? I'm still. What if? You could go back in time to just the right moment and ensure that Tandy won. You definitely earned this office. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind. Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. Life has been a dream. <laughs> but what if you went back to the wrong moment? Give me that. How do you even know what that was? Listen, I don't really care about these blueprints. I just want Say, who are you? You want to spy for Commodore or something, are you? Just move! Oh. Hey, hey, hold the elevator! Hold the up! Stop right there! Whoa, whoa, no need for guns, no need for guns! So, Mr. Anders, it seems you have stumbled upon my little secret. There is no point in waiting for security. I think you are about to have an accident. Okay, no, 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 no! Coco, forever? And we've got a new one that we'll be showing off too. That one happened to be queued up, so we got some more. Oh, look at this. Switcheroo. Use your Coco with a modern display. Go from RGB to composite with just the flip of a switch. Coco3scartcable.com Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. This is what people listen to when they talk about OS9. <laughs> it's very upbeat. 
Le Coco Duel. And uh, I would like to point <laughs> out that the Switcheroo is the number one selling RGB discard solution for the Color Computer 3 in Uruguay. And there you go. There you go. And we actually have the grandfather of the RGB discard design. Barry Nelson happens to be with us. And we're only calling you grandfather because you're old, Barry. So. <laughs> yeah, <you're... laughs> As I've said before, sort of the uh, necessity being the mother of invention. When my uh, TV that had the VGA input broke, I had to do something. My new TV only had an HDMI input. I'm like, no, I, I've got to hook up my Coco. I, I, can't, I can't live without my Coco, so... I had to design something that would let me hook it up to the new TV. So that was the result. Yep. So, so Jason, go. how many um, um, of those have you sold in Uruguay? Uruguay? I've, I've completely You're, saturated uh, the Uruguayan yeah, market. Yeah, so it must be a large number. Hey, let's put it this way. Every cocoa owner in Uruguay yeah, 100% market saturation. <laughs> he'll, he'll be having <laughs> antitrust monopoly suits against him in your <laughs> Jason will you be moving to a studio a studio yeah from all the sales you know upgrade <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah I so and I believe that that number is one in your, <laughs> he's right. finally getting a down Jason. payment on his Lamborghini <laughs> there it is and Nick Morenti's got his royalty check from uh, from the Popstar Pilot. Uh, it, it was a total of eleven yeah. units of Popstar yeah, Pilot were sold in the month of August. So that was that's pretty not cool. Bad, yeah, uh, just not at all. <clears throat> Considering it's a lame old crappy it game. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's eleven stupid people out there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the latest marketing technique now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the old printer doesn't have two-layer graphics yet, so it's super way. <laughs> oh, you should hear how it sounds with Ed's new multi-pack for version two, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. With the sound chip in it. Excellent, um, Carlos. We did we have we kind of done enough justice to having you catch us up on what you've been up to lately. Was there anything else you wanted to uh, add? No, not really. Um, I think. Uh, those are the things that uh, I'd probably be able to talk about publicly. Uh, there's some other stuff going on. I'm not ready. Okay. And your store, your store is Color Computer Store. Is that is there a URL for that? A website? You uh, want to plug? Yeah, that that is a URL. Color Computer Store. Um, it's basically a holding um, page right now for the site. Uh, I'll be launching the e-commerce site. Um, I keep saying this, uh, but uh, things just keep piling mm -hmm. up, as you know. Um, hopefully, sometime in the fall sure. or in the winter to um, start selling uh, products on there. Uh, actually, I'm working on yeah. some other sites too that are Cocoa-related that will be really interesting, especially for gamers and uh, programmers. Excellent. Very cool, very cool. So, yeah, what I would like to throw out there, because this is the challenge you, you face when you want to buy a um, an old computer on eBay. You don't know the quality of it. You don't know if it's going to work. Most people say <laughs> untested. Because they don't know that it's an RF out, not a composite out, you know. And so they're like, well, I pressed the button and made a clicky yeah. sound, so right. it might work. Um, I have bought, I don't know, I've probably bought two dozen Cocos on eBay over the years, and maybe two or three of them had problems. So they're, they're, they're pretty durable. They do last, and chances are they're going to be 90% probably good. 
But you just never know when you buy uh, an auction from a stranger. But if you buy it from Carlos, you know um, that it's been cleaned up. It's got new capacitors. Keyboard's been cleaned. A lot of times you repaint them. And you've done some really interesting paint jobs. You've done the Darth Vader Cocos. You've done the white Cocos. You've done a Coco 1.5 yeah. where you painted a Coco 2, the silver to make it look like a Coco yeah, 1. one. So you've done some... Yeah, so you've done some interesting things with that. As a matter of fact, the only my only uh, my only comment on that was I wish it was a matte finish versus a glossy finish. You know, that was just my preference. But I loved how you did a clear coat on it. You know, you had did you have like an auto body place paint that for yeah, you? Yeah, for um, the Mercedes so my brother, Silver. Uh, right, my my brother was a auto body mechanic. Uh, he's actually retired now. But, yeah. Uh, while he was doing it, we were bringing it into his shop and actually having his professional gun uh, spray it down, and it's it was amazing the coverage yeah. looks great oh, yeah yeah so so you can buy with confidence if you're going to buy from the color computer store you know that's going to work you know it's been clean you know it's going to be a, a presentable machine um so so thanks for doing that for providing that yeah, resource you know, i really us. enjoyed uh, um, seeing uh people get their cocos and you know almost like as, as close to new as you can kind of get to right mm-hmm yeah yeah, and um, I, I like your Japanese stuff you do, too, like when yeah. you were in Japan recently. Right. right? Um, well, I used to live in Japan. I lived there for 14 years, uh, and so, um, yeah, so I go there about every year to either Japan or China on business. Cool, cool. So, so if I had more money, I'd be buying more yeah. stuff from you. <laughs> so, so now that we have, I believe, a functioning reproduction of the gimme chip in, uh, in FBGA, what is everybody's thoughts on possibly somebody probably more as a hobby or you know to make a reproduction of the of the color computer uh, mainboard? I'm sure Ed is working on that. Uh, I'm looking forward to Ed's new keyboard too with the laser edge oh, keys. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I've got I've got yeah. a Coco Three that's my my backup Coco Three that the keyboard is not in such great shape, so I'm considering maybe getting that. In that up as a functioning machine again cool um brian you you mind sharing with us your little adventures with the 8-bit guy and what that was like how you how you got that going and and what that experience was yeah. like? yeah um as i mentioned on the, the facebook page there i was uh, gonna be in dallas for a while uh for work and uh on his website uh you can find his email address and so i dropped him a line about huh, three days before I was going to go there if it was going to work. And uh, yeah, he was very mm -hmm. prompt to respond back and uh, said that uh, you kind of worked out a schedule when he was going to be there. And uh, um, yeah, showed up there that afternoon and uh, he welcomed me into his house. Uh, Cause that's basically where he does it, wow. does it all at is in his house. Uh, he has a, a bedroom that he's converted into that studio that you see his videos. Took me mm -hmm. back there, and uh, one of the things that I kind of commented about, and uh, he says it's a very common thing, he gets about one guest a week uh, that, that does stop by his house, so it's actually quite frequent that he, uh, he kind of shows the place. Um, it's kind of it's smaller than you think, <laughs> so, but of course, okay. you know, it's just the camera's yeah. eye view that you're looking at, so um, sure. yeah, he showed me the studio, the lighting, uh, the camera setup that he does, um, how he puts it all together. Um, and then he took me to another room back in his house where uh, he has his editing computer uh, that he puts all the video together. Um, he kind of explained the process of what he does. He actually writes his script first, um, and then he records the video. 
um, and the uh, ah. uh, to fit that. So he writes his script, he does his audio recording, and then he shoots the video to fit into that. So, oh, so yeah, it was very interesting. Um, and then he did a lot of show and tell. Um, in his studio, there's a shelf that you can't really see in the camera um, where he just has all of the uh, stuff that people have sent him. You may have seen some of his mail mailbag videos that he does where people have sent him items that they'd like to see him restore. Um, so he has that. But then uh, back in his other studio where he does all the editing, more shelves with more uh, retro computer stuff. And then uh, he actually has a drop-down ladder that goes up into his attic where he literally has probably five or six shelves with even more stuff. So, <laughs> so he, wow. has, he has quite a collection. Um all spectrums of computers, you know, the uh, Pandy, the Commodore, Amiga stuff, um, and just all sorts of different flavors of accessories and everything that goes with it. He, he has keyboards as well. That's another part of his uh, show that he does. Um, so, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, he's actually stopped taking donations because he has too much. Um, but wow. It was very terrible problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it's very interesting. He, um, uh, he, he came from the IT world as well. Um, it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that he went full time with this, um, and he really enjoys it. Uh, he, he loves doing the videos, uh, and uh, it, it, it's really a lot of work that he has to put into it. He spends uh, anywhere from uh, a week to a week and a half just doing one little 20-minute video that you might watch. Of his. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's very interesting to see, though. But, uh, yeah, he's yeah. very generous with his time and uh, happy to explain the process to anybody that wants to stop by. Um, so if any of you are in that area and you'd like to do the same thing, just uh, look on his website. There's his email address there. Um, he's uh, he's pretty flexible with his time, but he says if you give him a couple days notice, um, he'll be happy to do it. That's cool. That is really cool because, honestly, I'm surprised. I mean, you are literally a random stranger and he lets you into yes. his house. That, that would concern me. I'm not even a celebrity, <laughs> but just letting a random person in my house, it's like, you know, I don't know, man. Let's, let's you know. Well, so, and, the, um, and the picture that you saw yeah. that I posted there, he uh, he takes pictures um, of everybody that mm -hmm. stops. And every once in a while, he said he'll put a video together, of kind of a, a montage of uh, – all the videos of people that have stopped by um, he's had people from all over the world uh, stop by there. So it's not wow. just the United States or even the Dallas area there. Uh, it's uh, sure. more corners, uh, people that have come there and, and uh, want to see him. So yeah, it's very interesting. So nice guy. Um, just like you see on the, on the videos there, he's exactly the same way. So yeah. Excellent. Well, I what is this script right. thing which you speak? Um, what is that? Yeah, the, 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 basically the I, script. I, I, like, what, just, what are you going to talk about? I'm just poking fun at our show here. We don't oh. Have <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get well, it. <laughs> no, I mean, <clears throat> it's like, I, you know, I have, I have tried different ways to make videos, and there's the ideal way, but like as you mentioned, it's very time-consuming. So um, there are times when I want to plan a video and record it and edit it and then upload it, but it takes time. Just you know, um, so the times I've done that, I've spent sometimes an hour and a half of recording just to get 20 minutes of content that I liked, you know. And then when you when you edit a video and you go to save a video, it can take a really long time. Um, you know, 20 minutes can take you 45 minutes to save that file back, and then you got to upload it. That takes time. It's it's a process. So just making videos and uploading videos, it it is laborious. And so, um, yeah. So that's why he that's why he know, writes so, the script first. He so that way he knows what he wants to talk about, what he wants to say, what he wants to go. Yeah. And then no. he 
Yeah, that's and then he records idea. the video, and he, he finds it very difficult sometimes because you'll go to turn the computer on. You know, let's say he's, this is the first time he's turned it on, and of course it won't turn on. So now he has to go and fix that yeah. and try to make it work. And so yeah, he might spend eight hours just to get 20 seconds sometimes just because he wants to show that one thing. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Throwing that's this out cool. there, but uh, if anybody wants to donate stuff to me so I can put those in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask uh, Ron: Is he worried that there's somebody competing for the Gradge title here with uh, yeah. pieces of computer stuff? <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, towards yeah. the end there, we were we were talking. Uh, I tried to swing the conversation towards the Coco because he does have a few of them sitting there. Uh, he did do one mm -hmm. video where he did the a Coco one where he did uh, 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 restore that one. Um, and he does have a number mm -hmm. of Cocos that he wants to put together a series. He's been working on a Commodore series. That tends to be his leaning, um, but he definitely uh -huh. wants to put together a Coco series. So yeah. he did have the Coco featured in his uh, basic one he just did, though. So he was actually mm -hmm. running some of the programs, Coco Two. Mm -hmm. yep. 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 So he has a number of them that he wants to uh, do restoration videos, and then kind of talk a bit about the history and and uh, and what it does. So yeah, he has an original game called Planet Planet oh. X that he's he's ported to several platforms, uh, Commodore. Vic 20 uh, and the 64, I think, and then he just uh, did it for MS uh, for um, you know MS DOS, including mm -hmm. the supporting the Tandy 1000 mode. And I had kind of written up a, a thing to send to him to try to convince him to maybe uh, experiment with the Coco 3 and porting that. But I don't know. I didn't end up sending it because I'm sure he gets a lot of requests. But uh, and I don't know how comfortable he is with 6809, um, being that uh, it's probably. Uh, probably would be a pretty laborious process but the specs are very very similar to to the ms dos version and he could do it in the four color uh, 640 mode um which i i think that uh, personally i would like to see more games take advantage of that mode um but um yeah i'd be curious to know when he maybe maybe after when he completes the color computer uh series maybe i'll see if he's interested in uh in actually doing some programming with his uh that game that he has, Planet X. Yeah, you might even get him spoiled because once he goes to six and nine, I doubt if he'll want to go back to six five zero two after that. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as six forty mode yeah, games, Rick Adams' new game is actually based on that mode. So there's one coming out. Mm -hmm. Once you go to nine, you never go back. <laughs> yeah, the so. issue with the six forty mode doesn't work too well on NTSC monitors. Lots of artifacting. Yeah. Oh, really. But I think that's getting to be less and less of a problem now because everybody's getting SCART cables and True. things. So it's 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 less of an issue than it used to be. And it's so, also only four color. So a lot of artifacting. Are we back to uh, the old days then all over again? <laughs> if you're running on NTSC, yes. Yeah, yeah. Which, which 640 mode are we talking about here? 640 graphics the, mode. The 640 high-res mode. It, it was used 3. a lot in, in you know, in the MS-DOS world, the CGA mode. Um, and I guess uh, for color computer users, I and mean, we were so excited about the 16 color mode after uh, suffering all those years with uh, with no color on the color computer, uh, except for those blocky P modes and then the artifact colors. I think everyone got so excited that uh, that's really all the, the only screen that was ever used. But for, a, for his game, which is a top-down kind of... Um, uh, command and conquer type of strategy game. Uh, I think the 640 mode would be pretty good. But then again, he he's done it on the Commodore 64 and, and low resolution. So it's just a thought. Um, 
Yeah, it was a trade-off between the number of colors you wanted on the screen and, and the resolution, I think, was the main reason. And as Steve pointed out, you know, if you back in the NTSC days when people were running on TVs and composite, it would artifact like crazy, and it made text hard to read and stuff, too. So I think that's the reason it wasn't used before. But now that the you know people are using SCART cables and stuff where everything comes up crystal clear, I think there's a, a bigger opportunity for people to do the 640. We'll see how Rick Adams' game does, because it's a 640 by 4 color. Yeah. Hey Brian, did, does uh, does the eight bit guy does he have a cameraman or another person that does his video, or does he just have a standalone camera? He hits. Record? He has a standalone camera. He uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. He actually has a uh, a foam head that's uh, at the same height as he is. And he actually places uh-huh. that behind his uh, uh, I guess you'd say like his studio position where he's going to be standing. And he actually sets that right. there, and then he uses that to set his camera. But he just has a small little digital camera on a tripod. And he'll okay. start start the recording, uh, record the piece, and then he stops that, sets up the next scene, and then does that if he's going to be talking during that scene or if it's just uh, showing. But, yeah, he does it all himself. That's cool. That's very cool. All right. Well, I think we've done a good round robin here on the panel. And and just so you know, I mean, if you were to ever come to my studio, I mean, I'm going to show you what it all looks like right now. It's one freaking crappy room. It's 10 foot by 12 foot. Um, and yeah, so uh, the fact that he's got a, um, a garage and a second room and, or, uh, an attic, he's definitely got a lot more real estate. Uh, I don't even have a separate room to do my editing in the same computer I stream from is a computer. I you just have to on, move so. in with Ron. That'll um, solve the problem. Yeah. Right. And how, how much yeah, is right? the fee for so. the Stevie Strobridge tour? Uh, if you book in advance, you can get a 40% discount. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. complimentary um, Vegemite. Cool. All right. How about. Yeah, send me some Vegemite. How about we take one more break, and then Steve Bjork, are you ready to talk? All set to go. All right, we're going to take another break, and then we will be. (laughs) Richard Orvieski says, Steve, a crappy room for a crappy person. Thank you, Richard. All right, so we'll be back in just a minute here. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing dagger is like that idiot from the book. (laughs) You're watching Coco Talk. We will return after these messages.
<laughs> this summer hey, straight what's to going YouTube. On everybody, it's me. It's original gamer Stevie Stro. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a gameplay goodness gameplay. color computer gaming DVD today, gameplay. head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring color computer gameplay videos by the original gamer Stevie Stro. So to get your very own copy of a gameplay goodness color computer gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the original gamer TV Stroh sent you. Mention my name, you'll get a good Introducing seat. a computer that can change the way you work. The new Tandy 1000, complete with deskmate software for easy to use yeah, word processing, filing, worksheets, scheduling, communication. Brought to you by Tandy. Clearly, <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> my will to live software. just Tandy 1000, goes Available at Radio Shack Computer Centers and so on. Davies uh, disappointed there's no giant uh, rabbits that are here, clearly so. superior. And it's been a whole hour. There's been no yeah. what now? <laughs> there's no giant rabbit rabbit videos. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. We are, we are deficient on our rabbit videos right now and by the way we've got 28 people watching us live right now that's a there's been an hour and no giant rabbits it's a lot of, a lot of <laughs> russian bots about that, going Dave. on there right yes yes all right well we're gonna play some some music here because this is a professional show uh, and then we're gonna jump into assembly language uh part eight in the ongoing series um hosted by mr steve bjork himself so cue rock tune by l curtis boyle Frickin' piece of crap, frickin' soundboard. What a shit show this is, huh? All right, let's try this one more time. So, um, look at this. Every single time. The only reason why I don't smash this is because it's $160. And so, if it was a cheap piece of crap, I would have rage smashed it a long time ago. Let's try this again. Take it away, Steve B. Okay, today... Uh, we're going to continue a little bit about how the you can change the uh, order the uh, instructions are. Ron, last time we talked about branch and branch based on conditions and if a number was greater than or less than, how we can change the order. Now we're going to talk about jumping and calling subroutines. So let's go to the next slide. All right. As I said, in Lesson 7, we talked about branching. That was used to make decisions and like that. And we're going to now talk about the first non-branch. It's called jump. And this is similar, like basic, where you got to go to. Uh, you're going to go off to a line number. Well, in the case of the jump, uh, you could sit there and say jump to uh 8,300 ED, that's an hexadecimal, and it'll jump to that location. Unlike those branches that we talked about in last week's episode, uh, those were basically always branching kind of around itself. In other words, jump 20 ahead, jump 30 back, stuff like that. And that made it very nice if you moved the program uh, it could always stay within itself. Um, this is one of the things that's key, as Curtis knows, with OS 9, everything's got to be relative because you never know where you're running in memory. Well, sometimes you got to refer to things that are an absolute. Like, for example, 
if we jump to the example that we have here of uh, 83 ed that would be someplace in the rom i just came up with a random number there but i don't know what it does at that particular location but even if you move the program it is going to jump to lock to that particular location uh it's very handy to make sure that you know where you're going and what you're getting and jump also has a lot more options in it too and why don't we go to the next slide uh as I said, the jump can be used to go to a new location. One of the things that you can do is actually have it where the jump is more like an on-go-to. In other words, in basic, an on-go-to, you've got a list of different addresses you're jumping to. Well, you can do the same thing in assembly language. Uh, first, what you do is you load up one of the index registers with the address of the table that contains all the different addresses. Then you load up, let's say one of the 8-bit registers with a offset. This is how far that we go into the table. And then the jump is able to actually go out there, look at where that table is, look how much you're indexing or skipping through the table, grab the address and jump to. But let's take a look at how that actually works in assembly by going to the next slide. Okay, up at the top here, we've got something you've never seen before. This is a data statement. It, the DW stands for data word. It means that we're doing 16-bit values, two bytes for every location, and that contains the address somewhere that we might point to in memory. So address zero, address one, address two, are the addresses that we've stored in our table so we can refer to it. The, um, so our first instruction in the actual code that's gonna do this on go to is load X with where in memory is this table. That's what the pound sign J table does, loads up the address. Then we load up the B register. Remember that was an eight bit register we load that up with the jump number. We try and figure out which one of these addresses we want to use. And of course, in assembly, one thing we do, we don't start counting with one, we start counting with zero. Zero is always the first item, one is the second item, and two is the third item, et cetera. Up. So you'll have to get used to that. Instead of like basic, you do a, a step from one to 10, Ah, assembly language likes to do a step zero to nine. So since this table contains 16 bits of address information in each of those uh, addresses, what we have to do is multiply what we just loaded into the B register by two so that we can now point to words instead of bytes since a, a word is every other byte. And we, of course, use the logically shift to the left um, B to multiply that register by two. So once again, you see how easy in the earlier lessons we talked about shifting, how shifting is used to do multiplication. And you're going to do a lot of that in assembly, taking things that are normally referring to bytes and you want to refer to words or you want to refer to something else. Now we're mm -hmm. getting into the actual instruction jump, and then we have a bracket, B comma X, close bracket. Well, the B comma X means 
take where X is pointing, add B to it as the new location. So B, if it was zero, we multiply by zero by zero, we still get zero. It would actually add zero to X to figure the thing out. Now, X doesn't change in this instruction. After we're done, it will still remain the same. But we will have a reference that we're looking at the first element. Now, if we wanted to look at the second address in the table, B would have been a one. We multiply that, it becomes a two, and it becomes the second word uh, of the table. And that's become X. So we're basically emulating the uh, on go to instruction here with this type of operation. So before with the branches that we talked about last week, we were always talking about jumping to some location. And it was always like, if the answer was zero, we're going to branch there. Or if we're going to branch, always there. It was always about going to some location. The jump instruction, because it allows you to use all the different 6809 addressing modes, uh, allows you to come up with unique and interesting ways how to calculate where to jump. And that's effectively what we're doing, is we're actually doing a calculation to figure out where in the table we want to pull up the information. So this would be handy if, for example, let's say that you had a COCO1, a COCO2, and a COCO3. Well, address zero would be COCO, something for the COCO1. Address one would be for something for the COCO2. And the third one would be address for the COCO3. So we could have jump number actually be what type of cocoa are we and that would allow us to decide where to go to so we can make our programs vary based on what we're looking <coughs> at as far as information so that would be kind of an example of on cocoa yep. go to yep. and then depending on the type of cocoa exactly you have, yeah. so and you could do stuff like tables yep. like i say you're moving a space your spaceship in space invaders you could have offset address zero go to move left and address one goes to move right or something like that too so and this would be get get very handy with graphics because you might have different graphic routines depending on the object that you're moving or drawing or whether or not the object is dead center on the screen or, you know somewhere within the window and sometimes we have to use slower routines for clipping this is where the graphic has gone beyond gone beyond the edge of the screen because the way Coco's memory is working is if you draw beyond the right hand side of the screen it actually it's, it's going to wrap. wrap on the left hand side yeah, yeah you were yeah. you you've seen that a few times there Steve so there there's mm -hmm. This is used for making decisions in a different way. Instead of basically just taking a look at whether or not a number is zero, is zero or not, you're doing a jump based on a more elaborate calculation. So this is, as you can see, it becomes a function where this type of jump, where it uses the addressing modes, gets more elaborate. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Every, every type of these type of instructions have situations where they really can extend the power of what you're doing in assembly. Uh, by the way, this type of thing where we look into a table, grab information out of it, and use that to jump somewhere, this is called in a direct addressing. 
opposed to direct addressing. It's just a term that they use okay. for saying we're going into something. Now, so it's like a relative versus yeah, absolute. Well, even more so in the fact that we're diving into data. Now, I'm going to save you a little bit, Steve, because next week, that's when we're really going to get into all the different addressing modes that not only the jump can use, but when you load up information, when you're doing other things with the uh, 6809. Uh, that one there, we might raise the death count a little bit, but uh, <laughs> uh, I decided to take it easy on you and not talk about the different uh, addressing modes that are available in the COCO. And trust me, Curtis is over there chomping out the bit saying, I love next week's episode. Yeah. You I love we do it now. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it the meltdown me. episode, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll uh, Curtis and I will try and go easy on you, Steve, next week for that one. But um, anyways, why don't we go to the next slide? Because we are going to um, talk about a few more things. Now, as I this slide really just re reiterates what I'm saying is there are other addressing modes, and we're going to handle that in a later um uh, session. So, but yeah, let's okay. let's go to this one. Much like good old uh, basic, we have go subs, and this is used to save from writing code over and over again. Uh, if you come up with a routine, a little bit of code that you like using a lot in basic, you make it a subroutine, and you call it, so right. you don't have to have it all over your program. It's it's great way to save space and of course assembly language has the two and there's three basic instructions for that assembly language branch to subroutine long branch to subroutine and jump to subroutine and why don't we go to the next slide and we'll do the first there are, there are no uh, arithmetic branch to subroutines so <laughs> oh in my code there definitely is <laughs> So here's our BSR, BSR. branch two. It's very much like the branch always instruction that we've talked about before. It, the instruction consists of a command and one byte. The byte is how far backwards and forwards to go from this instruction to find that call, that subroutine that you want to jump to. So its range is a negative 126 to a positive 129 from the instruction. Um, now, when you get to that subroutine, you have to know, hey, I got to come back. I'm done. I have to come back to whoever called me. That is done with an RTS. That's return from subroutine to get back. So that's kind of like the return in basic. Very simple. Very Yeah. Go yeah. sub-return. Yeah. And the example I show at the very bottom of the slide, sorry, it's almost off the screen there, um, BSR time delay. This is like... I wrote some code that does a short time delay. I use it quite a bit. So I call it, it goes off and does it, and it comes back, just like basic. There are some gotchas, we'll go over those in a few moments, but let's go to the next slide. All right, well, as I said, the last instruction was limited in range. You could only do a subroutine that was pretty close. The long branch to subroutine has the entire range of memory. In other words, it's very much similar to the long branch instruction, long branch always. It will go off to the subroutine and it can be more than that uh, 
negative 126, 129 range. It can, it can be thousands of bytes somewhere else. Anywhere in 64K. Exactly. So it gives you the full range. It's very simple. It does the same thing where you get to the routine. When you're done with uh, at the routine, you do an RTS, and it will come back and start executing the program, just like the way the GoSub works in BASIC, and you know goes off and does the code and continues down after the go sub so uh works the same way let's go to the next slide let's keep moving through these don't want to take too long all right uh jump to subroutine is one where you've got lots of different addressing modes like what we have with the old jump instruction where you're jumping to a location and um it goes off, you do the call, and it comes back with that same uh, R, you know, same uh, return from subroutine uh, operation. I've got an example here where you do a JSR, and it's got that fancy brackets again for indirect, dollar sign A000. This is the routine that calls the character read from the keyboard that's in the ROM. And actually what stash at A0000, A3 zeros, is the location in the ROM that actually has the routine. So by jumping this location, no matter how the ROM is changed by the different people that worked on it, it knows where to jump. Basically, it's just an example that I'm using where you can see with the JSR, you can do a lot more than just simply jump to a location. You can do other things. and all that type of different addressing we'll cover in next week's lesson. Yeah, and this is an excellent example too of, of why you have absolute and relative versions. Like the branches, like if you want to relocate your program or move it around, it'll follow where you're going, but your ROMs don't move generally. So in this case, you want to, no matter where your program loads, you want it to jump to that exact location where the polecat routine, in this case, the pole keyboard uh, routine is, and that doesn't move. So that you would use an absolute JSR rather than a BSR. Exactly. And, you know, they definitely had that foresight when they're designing the 6809 as far as getting that in there. Now, much like basic subroutine calls can be nested. In other words, a subroutine could call another subroutine, could call another subroutine, and they'll all know where back to go from when you hit that return instruction. Basic keeps track of who's calling from where and how to go back and like that. But in the case of the 6809, it does the same thing, but you've got to do more work. That's one thing you're gonna learn about 6809. It's up to you to um, hoist that load and put on your back and carry it with you. And the 6809 uses something called the stack or the stack register. Um, all the BSRs, LBSRs, and JSRs uh, place their return locations on the stack. And of course, the RTS simply removes that return location off the stack to go back. So the, the, the routine that you're calling, it don't care if it was a, a BSR, JSR, or LBSR as far as who called it, because they all do a functionally the same thing of putting their return address on the stack and then the RTS instruction, the return from subroutine instruction, 
pulls that information off the stack. So there, there's no confusion between those three different JSR or calling instructions. It all works out correctly, right? Right, Curtis? Yeah, you don't need you don't need three versions of an RTS instruction. You can just use the same RTS for all three types, which makes it nice and easy. I need I need like a thirty second decompressor. <laughs> I've just heard so many, and I I couldn't help but laugh. I didn't want to interrupt yeah. you, Steve, but I couldn't help by starting to think. Well, what, is there an LGBTQ uh, routine in there? There's just so many freaking abbreviations. That's a long branch greater than or equal to processor. Yeah. Well, I, I, Stevie, Stevie, I was trying to get to DEFCON four. Oh Christ! <laughs> so, <laughs> and also, so today, also to prepare you for next week's lesson on. <clears throat> the different addressing modes and the all too powerful load effective address instruction. Okay. looks like Bruce Moore is raising his hand. Bruce, do you have a yeah, question? Yeah, I do. Um, I, the, uh, I wonder if a description of what exactly a stack is or a metaphor. Or we're, we're, we're coming to that. Oh, okay. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stevie, do you have any questions for to kind of get a breather here? No, I just needed to, I just needed to, take a breath because I had heard so many acronyms in one slide that um, my head almost yeah. did explode. So I will um, try and say <clears throat> uh, branch to Seberstein instead of BSR. I don't want to pull a David Ladd on you. And yeah, no, because, because I do have a sinus condition right now, I do have a lot of pressure in my <laughs> head. So there's not a lot of room for additional things to get yeah. in here. So. But, but basically the bottom <laughs> okay. of, uh, line with this slide is to say that whether it's a branch from subroutine, a long branch from subroutine or a jump from subroutine, the return doesn't matter. They all effectively take where they've got to come back to and stick it on the stack. And then they do, you know, and then of course the a return from subroutine instruction just simply says, oh, I'll take it off the stack. Oh, this is where I got to go. And it pops back there. Yeah. It's, it's just, just like basic where you have on go sub and you have a plain go sub. You just use the same return and command to come back. It doesn't matter which version of it called it. Right. It's just like magic. It just knows it's going to return from wherever yeah. it was called. But the, thing, but the thing is, and what I'm also alluding to in this slide a little bit, is you have to do some work with the stack anyways let's go to the next okay. slide okay we're moving on sorry no, about no, the interruption no, no, i just no. needed a breather i was covering it rather quickly now okay. the stack in the 6809 is controlled by a register we haven't talked much about it's called the s register boy it's um doesn't doesn't make it too hard to understand what the s, s, s for stack, stack huh? yeah. and the stack is used um it's built from the top and works its way down. In other words, it's pointing someplace in memory. And when you do some sort of BSR, you know, I'm sorry, branch to subroutine or long branch to subroutine or any of that stuff, it pushes something onto the stack. It literally goes downward. It goes from the high location to the location of memory. Think of it as you're at a buffet and they got a bunch of plates and somebody brings out new plates and they put it on the old ones and it pushes them all down. It's kind of like yeah. that. The way the stack works is whatever's on top, you're going to pull off the next time. And if you bring out new okay. plates, you push them down onto that stack. 
So it's always kind of okay. in, in this thing. It's a, it's like it's kind of very, springy. very springy. That's the way it works. Okay. So okay. And you now you've made me hungry. Okay, so thank <laughs> <Okay>. you. So. <laughs> I, I want to mention one thing too. If if somebody's coming from the six five zero two or some other you know, CPUs, they sometimes will refer to pulling off the stack as pop. Just you know, terminology wise, I just wanted to explain that in case somebody has heard of a pop but doesn't know what a pull is. Yeah. So. And by the way, uh, this segment is brought to you by Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's just like those stack of plates there. So, uh, right. but that's really, you know, that's what's kind of unique or different. And stacks have been around for a long time on computers. They go back um, 50s or 60s, depending on who wrote the first stack at microcode. But it, it, it's wow. really a powerful operation because look at the return. It doesn't know, know who called itself. But it does know, hey, I can just grab this off the stack and I can return back to where I'm at. So you don't, you know, it it, it cuts down on the confusion by using that. And it cuts down on the programmer having to, you know, do special things. Like if you're doing direct jumps back and forth like that, then you have to know, okay, well, where did I get called from? Like if, if you make a subroutine that can get called from three different places, you would have to keep track of which one called it. Do I have to come back to number one or number two or number three? Yeah, yeah, that could be mind. Yeah. mind yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by the way, there were processors back in the early days that everybody seemed to want to come out with one where they actually had the bright idea they wouldn't put a stack register in. Yeah, and I've worked on mm -hmm. HP 3000 minis that were the opposite. Everything was stack-based. They had no direct registers. Everything was on the stack. So you had yep. to, like, you know, worry about, you know, if you want to do the equivalent of a load A, you'd have to remember that A is always at, you know, the second address on the stack or something like that, which I found confusing after using the 6809. Okay. Anyways, um, about the middle of the slide, I talk about for the fact that the, um, when you want to push something on the stack, it effectively, you know, like, you know, you, you do a BSR. So it's got to put the return address of where to come back to on the stack. It effectively subtracts two from the stack and then writes two bytes to the stack um, of where this return address. Technically, that's not what it's doing, but effectively that's what's going on, is it always subtracts from the stack when it puts the information on there. Yeah, and maybe to clarify too, we should mention the stack, the S register itself is a pointer. It's a pointer to where the stack is in memory. It's, so an, in index this case, it's an index yeah. register like the X register, the Y register that we've talked about before is just another index register. And by the way, on the stack, all those beautiful addressing modes that I keep alluding to, alluding to work on the stack register. So yeah, that's why I keep on saying next week's episode, everybody's gonna turn in because we're gonna see how high we can raise Stevie's DEFCON level. Hmm. I might have to start coding between now and then just yeah, to get ready yeah. for this. So. Anyways, okay. but th that that's basically when information gets put on the stack, it always subtracts first before it goes on there. By the way, when you pull information off the stack, as I said, it works its way up. It gets larger numbers. It grabs the information and then adds to itself. So it's the reversed order. That sound okay, Stevie? 
Uh, I'm not sure if you just said that it increments or decrements itself, yeah. though. It increments itself. It decrements when it okay. saves information onto the stack. It increments when it takes it off. Okay, so when you do a return, it just pulls a word from the stack, 16-bit value, and then it jumps down another 16 bits to the next value in the stack. So every time it returns, it goes to the next number in the queue, basically, exactly. kind of like a yep. turn style. Um, or just okay. like those plates. Every When you take a plate, all of a sudden, another one yeah. pops up. Another one pops yep. up. Right. That's exactly okay. how it works. All right. Now, the thing is, you've got to gotcha. always make sure there is enough room for all that information you're putting on the stack. If you don't, you get buffer overrun errors. Where have we heard that before? Microsoft? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Windows, yep. DOS. Mac, everybody. Yeah. Everybody has that problem. Everybody. So this is what I said. Now, in the case of BASIC, it manages for you. But remember, there were some options in the clear command. That allows you to set up more space for the stack. Okay. Well, you just have to sit there and say, when I build a buffer for my stack, I've got enough room. Yeah, and make sure it doesn't, you know, if you put it too, too small and it put it, you put it too near your program, you can actually start putting stuff in the stack and then start overwriting your own code, which can cause all kinds of problems. Now, one trick that I used, this is just off on the side, a little note, not going to be a test on it. But one trick I would use when I'm developing my games back in the day is I would write some code through the buffer that I've set up for the stack. Something unique like, um, it would look like the at sign if you displayed it uh, on the screen or something. And then I would run my program. Then I would go back and I would verify how far all those little codes I'd written the buffer had been changed by the stack working. That way I could see, gee, am I almost out of stack space or do I have a lot more stack space and not have to worry about it? It's something that we, in, when we get into the more advanced programming elements, we're going to go over and talk about, you know, setting up the stack buffer and making sure that you don't have any um, problems. Because that's one thing that we definitely, in this whole series, is we want to point out where you can have issues so that you don't necessarily get into trouble. So why don't we go to the next slide? Okay. We're moving on. Okay. Here's a uh, simple little thing where we load the S register with the number 200. It's pointing to a stack buffer that I've set up that's from uh, 100 hex to 1 FF hex. Basically, the, the second um, 256 bytes of RAM. Uh, I'm using the first 256 bytes of RAM for my direct page, which is a type of addressing mode we'll talk more about next week. Um, then I do a call, BSR, to time delay, and it will put its information onto the stack at location 1FE and 1FF because they are two less than the 200 I had started with in the, the stuff and then of course I do another call. So this is an example of a very large buffer but it shows that I've set up my stack and really setting up the stack is not that hard. It's just setting aside space and then telling the CPU with the load S command where the stack buffer is going to be. It's not really that much magic. It's just 
maintenance you got to do. Breaker. All right. So that that hex two hundred basically says you're getting everything up to that value. Uh, I'm I'm saying that starting at at basically less than two hundred is where all the informations go. Because like for example, mm. when I call the subroutine, the BSR in time delay, before the information is placed on the stack, what does it do? It subtracts two and writes the information. So it will actually go mm -hmm. in one FE and one FF. It will not go into 200. Right. How does it know to stop at 100? It though? don't. <laughs> that's it, up to you. Okay. That, that's okay. when you get a buff over buffer run error. That's when you start your program starts messing up. And that's the thing is you have to decide in your code how much space you need for stacking information. Yeah. And basic does have that problem too. As Steve was mentioning, the clear command, you you allocate how much space you want to use. And it defaults, what is it, 200 or something, if I remember? But yeah. if you do a whole bunch of nested subroutines and stuff like that, you can overflow basics too and have it crash with an error. So it, you, same thing. You, I mean, there you would allocate more space if you're having problems or string space. It allocated stuff on the stack for string space as well. Um, and it's the same thing here. It's just a little bit more manual on your side. You don't have basic doing some of the stuff for you, but you do have to keep track of it yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the next slide. Okay. The stack can also be used to save and restore registers. These are the uh, like the A and B registers, the X register, and stuff like that. This is very handy if you are going to call some subroutine that's going to change the B register, but you want to make sure that you have a copy of itself. Now you could store it someplace off in memory, but you also have the option to push that information that's contained in the register onto the stack. And that is done with the push on system stack instruction, which is called PSHS. PSHS. Boy, it's tough to say. But uh, it basically copies the content of the register onto the stack. Now, the pull does the exact opposite. It pulls it off the stack and puts it into the register. So it's a way to remember like those plates that we had at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you had yep. uh, a plate that you wanted to save for a little bit later. You just put it on on that stack of plates and then when you come back later you can take it off and so okay. that's exactly what you're doing you're putting it on there um and then you can pull it off now the one thing is you got to remember you got to pull it off in the order that you push and remember the subroutines are also pushing on there too so you don't want some idiot coming up in the buffet in between when you put the plate on the that stack grab that off that plate off the stack before you come back in other words you're going to have to probably put a guard up there and make sure nobody takes your plate in other words okay. you're going to have to keep track of it so if you put information on the stack you got to make sure you take the information off the stack in the order and you got to be very careful about subroutines uh, in the sense that you don't want to Put something on the stack and have the subroutine try and pull the information off 
incorrectly and then you pull it off, you can see there could be confusions. So you just got to be very guarded about how you put information on the stack and how you pull it off. Yep. Okay. Curtis, you want to add something there? Um, I was just going to mention, like, for example, if you're calling a subroutine that's going to do some calculations, and let's say I need to use the X and the A and B registers to do this calculation, but when I come back from a subroutine, I want my answer in X only. I don't want A and B mucked around with. So you would do a push A, comma B, comma X, do your little fiddling calculations, and then you would do the pull, or you would um, pull D, well, this is a bad, not the most optimal example, but I'd pull D off and then I'd replace D with whatever the value that I was wanting to return, excuse me, return with, and then pull X to actually get the X back to where it originally had started with. There's a few other ways to do where you can modify stuff on the stack too, but but basically yeah. you would use it to try to preserve things that you want to keep from the subroutine if you have to use a bunch of registers to do whatever that subroutine does. I think our next slide will show a little bit more of what Curtis was talking about. DEFCON 3. Yeah. Well, hopefully it explains it better than I just did. Okay. Let's say <clears throat> it could, it we're going to go work. back to that example <laughs> we had before where we're loading up um, the X register and, the, and we're using the B register to go through and figure out which one of these addresses in our table to jump to. Well, let's say that the B and the X register we want to save from wherever we're coming from because we're going to use them to figure out the jump. So the first thing we do in our instruction is we push onto the stack the X and B register. This saves them onto the stack. Now we load up X. Hey, it doesn't matter. We've saved it. We can now use X, load it up with a list of our subroutines that we want to jump to, load up the B register with our which one the uh, these particular jumps we want to uh, do a uh, call to, multiply B times two by doing a logical shift to the left B, and then we do a JSR indirect B comma of X, which basically goes off and calls our routine. So when we get there, uh, what's been pushed onto the stack is where to come back to. That routine does its work. Uh, you do a return instruction, RTS, and then it comes back, and our last instruction is pull off the stack B comma X. It gets that information off the stack, and um, the B and X registers have been restored. They're back to what they used to be. So this is an example of how you can use the uh, push and pull instructions to save information that you might be kind of destroying because you're doing some work here. Right, you just have to be kind of calculated in the application of this because anytime you do a go sub, you're pushing the stack down one plate. You want to make sure that when you return, you're right back to the same plate that you exactly. stored everything on. Yeah, right? you're not exactly. Okay. So you gotcha. know, they're very powerful. There's lots of tricks that we can do here. We're not going to show you those tricks, but um, the main thing is that this is how we can use the stack to temporarily store something. Because the other way to store something is we could set aside variables in direct page to put information in. We could go through and um, there's other ways of doing it, but the stack gives us very easy temporary storage. And it also allows us to do recursive temporary storage. Uh, the recursive thing, as I said before, with when you do to a go, when you do a go sub in basic, 
that can call another go sub that calls another go sub. Well, this type of thing here, we're also doing kind of recursive data story. We're saving this on the stack. And then when we come back later, we're able to get that same information. This is why you may have to have hundreds of bytes of data for your stack because you've got so much information being pushed temporarily on the stack and then pulled off in the process of, let's say, a game that you need that space. That makes sense there, Stevie? Mm, yep, yep. I'm just getting hungry. Keep talking about plates. And <laughs> I, stack, know, so. I know. Okay. Okay. Let's go All to the right. next slide. We're moving on. Now, the push instruction can save any or all the registers, including the condition code flag. And they're always pushed onto the stack in the same order. And I've listed an order here. Now, any or all those registers can be pushed or pulled in one time. And that's the beauty of the 6809 is you list which particular registers, like in the last in, uh, example, I showed that we were pushing the B and the X. It knows yep. the order of how to push them on the stack and pull them off the stack. So I don't have to think about that. But also, I could have added in pushing the Y register or pushing the A register. Um, but all this stuff, they can be pushed. By the way, the PC, that's the program counter, and that's where the current instructions are being executed. And there are some tricks you can do with that. But these are the order that they get pushed and pulled off the stack. And to kind of see this a little better, let's go to the next slide. I've got a graphic for you. <laughs> to help kind of uh, visualize a little bit better. Up at the top of all these different uh, little squares, this is a representation of memory. And you see that FFFF, that's the highest point of memory. And down at the bottom, you got yep. zero, 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 zero. That's the bottom part of memory. And it shows how information is pushed on the stack, going from the top, working its way down, and then the same thing for pulling up the other way. And that's the order. It's simple. That's the way it works. It never changes the order. And then one of the beauties of the 6809 is that you can push and pull multiple registers in one instruction. And a lot of the other 6-8-bit CPUs, you had to push each one individually. So you'd have to like do a push A and a push X and a push Y type thing. And the 6809, you can just specify. And if you actually count the registers it's pushing or pulling, the maximum you can do is eight. So if, if you look at the actual instruction for push or pull, the second byte is the basically bit flags, and it's one bit per register. So CC is one bit, and A is one bit, and B is one bit. And you'll count that there's actually eight registers that you can push and pull in a single instruction. And just to allude to something probably in a bit in the future here uh, for advanced programming is that's the basis of stack blasting, that you can that's have one instruction. That's what I was going to just cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it uh, basically, as you can see, there's multiple bytes being written in and uh, read at the same time. And that's why they use stack blasting to pull and push information into the computer's video memory a little faster than doing it a byte or two at a time. So I'm, I'm sure Simon's very familiar with that. Yeah. Anyways, um, 
Now, besides, I just yep, went to the next and slide. Perfect, because we need to move okay. on. We don't want to uh, hurt Stevie too much. Uh, besides the system stack, there is also the user stack. This is a separate register. It's called you. Boy, they're so original with these names, aren't they? Anyways, the user stack works the same way as the system stack, but it's for pushing information that the user uses. It's a way to have a separate stack, separate from the system stack where all these uh, uh, call to a subroutine get pushed. Uh, this one here could be separate data. So you, this is where you can have a buffer somewhere else in memory where you can push and pull information onto the stack and save it and like that. And by the way, OS9 uses this extensively. Yep. Right. Every single data error that every single program, including the system process, actually uses user stack for pointing to where that is. Now, now somebody in the chat room is asking, like, why would you just, like, he was kind of get ahead of it, but he was going, why would you just not use the user stack at all times? And uh, there's a few specific reasons. Uh, one I will just mention here, we're probably not going to get into it in much detail until later, is that IRQs are all based on the hardware stack. So if you're getting an IRQ from an RS-232 card or something like that, you want to be able to access a system stack to be able to figure out, you know, where where the data from the, the RS-232 port is or, you know, where the IRQ happened, that type of thing. Yep. And by the way, this beginning of system stack, user stack, well, the user stack, only the user in later processors could access the system stack was not allowed by user programs. And this is part of trying to make it so that computers are more secure. Because trust me, when they're developing the original processors, security was not an issue, not a concern. They didn't put much in there. This system and user stack that you see in the 6809 is the first inkling of trying to get some sort of security. In the 68000, there was more security. Later, 8086-based processors like the 3A6, 4A6 got more security. And they've been trying to write more security into the processors as we've been going along. So yeah. this was this is the beginning of a true computer processor. And as far as I remember, the 6809 was the very first CPU that had the user stack as a separate stack, correct? Like 6502, that only had the system stack. So you always had to mix and match between your stuff and the CPU stuff. Exactly. But anyways, this U-Register can be used for this user stack if you want and it makes extensive use in OS 9. I have to admit in my video games, I never used it as a user stack. I used it as a regular 16-bit pointer, just like the X and Y registers. And it always pointed to my data structure, the particular object that I was working on. And that will definitely be something that will come out, be coming up in later um, sessions of this uh, series. But um, let's see. Let's go to the next slide. Which I think is yep. the last slide. Okay. Now, we briefly touched on addressing modes with the uh, jump and the jump to subroutine instructions. Next time, we're going to be covering the powerful 6809 addressing modes. And there's a lot of them, and they all make sense, and they're really powerful. And there's one instruction that goes with it that will make no sense at first, but it'll kind of like the light bulb will come on. It's called load effective address, the LEA instruction. 
And yes, definitely tune in next time to watch Stevie's head hit Deathcon one. <laughs> yeah, excellent, I, excellent. I, I don't, excellent. you know, the next one here. I'm sorry, it is going to get a little technical because there's lots of options, lots of addressing modes to go through. Yeah, and it's also one of the reasons the six eight zero nine was the most powerful eight bit CPU. Yep. Change my mind. Right. So yeah. And one okay. thing, you know, and the way they've set up the sixteen oh nine, one of the things I've always said, with a lot of CPUs, it was a lot of work trying to figure out how to do something. The sixteen oh nine was the first one I ever used that had the aspect where there was multiple ways to do it. They just came up with lovely different ways, and you just had to find find the one that worked best for you in that situation. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you for another great segment. Uh, Bruce, before I forget, and while you're still here, we do need to show off your latest um, Cocoa Forever teaser, right? Sure. Is there anything you need to um, use to uh, talk this up, or we just play it and let no, it run? Just, uh, it's just announcing uh, another episode is, uh, is ready to go. So. All right. For those of you not aware of the Coco Forever project, we have here with us Bruce Moore, who's made that project, and he's got a brand new teaser for um, for the latest episode. So let's run that real quick, because Bruce is here. I didn't want to forget. How does it feel? Coco Forever. I'm still so I, I haven't seen any of the other retro even modern communities try to pull off something like this. This is unique. Next to the Switcheroo, the hottest selling cocoa product of 2018. <laughs> Episode 7 of 9. Control Break. Chuck Anders must find a way to reverse the changes to the timeline, or the entire world goes up in flames. CocoForever.gracenote.ca Wow. We don't want the entire world going up in flames, do we? No, no otherwise David Ladd has to come and rescue it all again. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, mean, I have a question for you, Bruce. All right, well, that... uh, Bruce, uh, how far along? Like, I, I'm still of that mindset that I want to pull the trigger when the whole thing's released so I can binge the whole thing. Um, how far away are we from having the complete series? Well, uh, uh, this is number seven of nine. Not like Star Trek, but... Um... <laughs> But not a bad yeah. tie-in. Um, yeah, so this is episode seven. Nine is the final episode. Um, I mean, it's... So we're roughly two episodes away, right? <laughs> I think he's looking for a time frame. Time now. frame? Yeah. Uh, well, I, what can I say? I, I, you know, soon. I'm, I'm chipping away at it. Um, eight. Eight's almost ready. Nine. Nine's just going to take a little... i got to finesse it a little bit more because it wraps everything up. So um, let's see, what is it, September 29 now? Uh, I, I would think the whole thing should be done um, with uh, before when stand the assembly, November something? November, yeah. yeah. I, I would think by the end, by Halloween, probably I should be able to have the whole thing done. Okay, that's when I'm pulling the trigger. Okay, awesome. Uh, Halloween-ish. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There you go, <laughs> Halloween-ish. We started in springish. <laughs> we might finish by fallish. And so. a quick question for you, Bruce. Um, as as you've been going through and recording it and doing everything, 
Has the plot changed from your original guidelines a bit? Or like has it adapted as you've gone through and thought of things? Or has it basically been following the same script you originally came up with? Um, one, the very final, the very final piece, the final bit of dialogue uh, has changed. Yeah, so there's been there's been a small change at the end. As I as I got right up to the end, it was like, yeah, this this isn't quite pulling it all together. And uh, and and I got a I got a broader view of it, the whole thing. And uh, so I did actually change one piece at the end. But otherwise, it's essentially stayed the same. Okay. So you're going to be like a DVD and have an alternative endings version of the last episode too, with the original? Uh, or? <laughs> well, uh, no, I hadn't really thought about that, but um, I definitely want to get a, a get everybody everybody on the credits. I want to have a really nice credit roll, trying to list absolutely everybody who contributed. So, cool. Maybe there'll be something after the credits. Then we can get David Ladd in a bathrobe. Oh, if we're lucky. Jesus. So. <laughs> there went your sales. Sorry. Uh, are, are you uh, both are you, up. No, I'm still here. No. Uh, are you going to do a t-shirt or anything or a mug? Uh, I could. I think it'd be a good awesome. idea to do a t-shirt. I would definitely buy another one. Well, okay. I will uh, I will look into that. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, hey, I gotta see episode seven. I mean, there's there's a couple of couple of great uh, uh, guest appearances there, and and Greg is is one of them. I really want to check out. Ooh, that ought to get the uh, boost the sales right there. More Greg. All right. Well, we're coming up on two hours, and and I do want to try to make today's show a little bit shorter because I do need some rest, and hopefully we can do a, a second show tonight. So how about we take a quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll have some follow-up discussions on the assembly segment, questions, uh, questions, comments, uh, add-ons, and then um, and we'll see how it goes from there. So we'll be right back, folks. Hi, this is Sean Wheatley, and you're listening to Coco Talk with the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. After these messages, we'll be right back. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placeblex Dietary Supplement. Placeblex, we think it works, so will you. <laughs> Twice in one day. What a great moment for Richard. Value added. Yes. <laughs> I love those slow motion <laughs> reactions there. Johnny Knoxville is the name I was thinking of there. Take my money. Hey, Richard. You know, this From whole Radio whole... Shack, the TRS-80 Model 3. And at $200 off, it's a great value. 
Select from Radio Shack's huge program library to aid your children's education, plan your personal and household budgets, or to entertain with fast action games. You can even learn to write programs. The TRS-80 Model 3, on sale for $7.99, only at Radio Shack and Radio Shack Computer Centers, the computer experts. <laughs> Sorry about oh, that, no, Steve. no, Go no, ahead. I was just, you know, looking at what's been happening with the Boomerang Board, did you have a feeling that you should name it Boomerang? Because they keep coming back for you for upgrades. <laughs> Where is Richard still here? Yeah. I think we lost Richard. He's not here. Yeah, we oh, lost well. Richard. But he boomerang back to where he came from. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just. I will say one thing: as a hardware developer, you know, he comes up with good ideas, but he doesn't leave the people who bought his product out in the lurch. I don't know how many times I bought something, and, and gee, version two just came out, and I'm stuck. Stuck. Yeah, yeah, it seems like every time he comes up with a new version and he gives a free upgrade to everybody who's bought the old version, yeah. too. So. Great customer support. He, he can't complain yep, about that. Exactly. Yeah. Can't complain about that. Uh, all right, so from the panel, questions, comments, add-ons, uh, thoughts about the assembly segment. We did our jump, subroutines, all that stuff. Anybody want to add Including to that? Including you, Stevie, if you have any questions. No, I just want the pain. <laughs> <laughs> you might have no, to take a break next I week. I followed it. Yeah, right now. I was looking at my beaker image and thinking it was a live camera on your face, Stevie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know know Paul Fiscarelli was chiming in a little bit on the assembly stuff, and we had Paul on uh, last week for our After Dark. Paul's going to start his... um, little YouTube tutorial on assembly from the beginner's perspective. Yeah, his first so episode's up now. I'm glad that we have. Yep. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. So, um, Paul, let me, um, Paul, you are a moderator. So if you want to post the link to your YouTube channel or to your latest video, Paul, go ahead and put that in the live chat. Um, yeah, I'm glad that this content is out there for people. I hope it's going to spark some interest. Uh, it seems like the assembly series def- definitely has uh, some interest from people. I have a, a number of people saying, can I get the slides? You know, can I get a copy of the slides and stuff like that? So I try to remind people that we will, um, we will be taking these segments and editing them out into their own standalone series. So the assembly series itself will run as a standalone series. We'll just strip it out of the episodes of Coco Talk that it was in. Um, that sounds like a and, lot of work. Um, and no. Uh, not really. You just throw a little cut off both sides and save it as a new file. Just a little bit, a little bit, not a lot. Um, so, yeah, there's more content coming. Uh, Paul Fiscarelli. Okay, so he just posted his link to his latest one, which is great. So Paul's going to have a series. We have uh, Steve Bjork series here. I'll be starting my own assembly series, hopefully, in the very near future. So um, hopefully as we all learn and share. And Bruce Moore, you've been doing quite a bit, right? You've been hybriding in assembly with basic 09 and basic and things like yeah, that yeah i've been doing a lot lately and really looking forward to these these presentations to uh fill in the gaps the the stack is something that back in the day i just i had no clue about and i'm just starting to get a clue now so i'm really appreciating this just remember it's like being at golden corral you just push a plate you you, you push a plate you pull a plate okay, right okay. so uh <laughs> you have those, be careful 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said you end up with broken plates. Simon Jonasson has been Simon's posted a recent video too of uh, one of his little demos where he's playing music and animating uh, a bunch of stuff in assembly too. So um, we always appreciate. What are you shaking your head for? You, yes, you did. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's basic. Basic. Oh, it's in basic. <laughs> is that is that two layer basic? Yeah, um, yeah. Salvador Garcia says that 2019 will be the year of the 6809 assembly yep. courses. Yeah. So yeah, now, one, they're coming. One thing they're is coming. that Paul and I have decided that we're going to be using the same assembler. So that that okay. will help a little bit when it comes to uh, writing the code and. We're getting close to that. We're, um, I think we got about two more lessons on the foundations of the instructions. Next week being the real biggie, which is the addressing modes. And then there's the um, loose end instructions, the, the ones that really don't fit in a category. And as far as stuff mm -hmm. to do with interrupts, and other technical hardware stuff like that, that's going to be definitely done much later in lessons because I don't want Stevie to have too many episodes where it's Death Com 1. Yeah, because so, we already know he'll just shut the show down if it gets too. <laughs> Press the button, Frank. <laughs> maybe, so, I, uh... maybe I should be hosting next week then just to make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> We're not a bad idea. <laughs> Yeah, we're probably a couple of weeks away from actually sitting down and writing code. And part of what I'm looking at here doing is coming up with a very basic game in assembly for Stevie basically to code. And that game will be available, the entire source code. People will be able to download it and, you, and um, put it on their own Cocoa and work along with us. That's so, cool. Uh, it'll probably end up being something like Pong. And maybe the next one we do will be breakout, but just very, very, very simple games. And eventually we'll get up to something more elaborate, but you know, just, yeah, that's cool. That's kind of how the games in the arcade started too, like Pong being one of the earliest arcade games and breakout. So it's kind of following video game evolution as mm -hmm. well. So, yep. yeah, it was, um, Steve Wozniak that made breakout use only about 100 chips where the original design was looking at 400. Wow. Yeah. He was the master of uh, cost yep. reduction, right? part reduction. So. And people still curse um, on that stuff in the Apple today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say something. No, but I mean, honestly, the, we, we, have, we have so many people who are like this series that Steve Bjork is doing and the fact that he's going to teach us from the ground up how to make a video game. That's so great. Mm -hmm. The fact that we have people like Simon who are making all these cool demos and showing us those source codes. And now Paul Fiscarelli and we've had Glenn Hewlett. Um, so many people have been doing blogs on, on assembly, um, you know, and sharing that journey, optimizing assembly, the, the name, the list goes on. I can't remember everybody's name who's done it. So the resources are out there. And I know we had that discussion, I think last week, you know, we would like to have more software, um, being careful not to dismiss that there is there are people making software, so we want to acknowledge and thank those people who are making the software they are. But we always want more, right? That's our that's our human nature. We want more software. We want more games. We want more and more and more. So um, hopefully, 
this content that's being produced on helping people pick up the programming mantle uh, might inspire and help some people get her done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't know that I have permission to show it right now, but I'll just tell you guys, um, you know, um, John Strong has been helping me with my Cosmic Aliens game now. He's rewritten some of the ROM calls in assembly. So now not only do I have a faster P copy, I've got a faster get and put for my sprites. I've got faster fonts now too. So my game in basic with just these assembly routines, it is an incredibly much more faster game. It's a, it's a hard to play game now. Um, so, so yeah, the assembly is real. I mean, what it can do and the speed it can provide you. It's you know, amazing. it's amazing. <laughs> so no, seriously, uh, you're writing a game, it's getting faster, it's requiring faster reflexes. So you're writing your own game that you can't get past level one. <laughs> wow. Yes, yes. So, show um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Nick Morentes, we haven't heard from you in a bit. How, how have you been, sir? Oh, not too bad. I've been fairly busy at work at the moment, so very little cocoa time, but I'm just prodding along on my Gunstar game, slowly. Excellent, excellent. Do you have a core dump you want to discuss with no, us No, I haven't had a time to think about that, so, yeah, we'll skip this uh, this week. Are you still Are you still okay. upside down? Still upside down, yep. <laughs> I did see something in the chat that I wanted to address. Uh, Nick says in here that I'm hoping Steve will recreate Zaxxon for us. I did that back in 89. Uh, that wasn't me. Someone else. Um... Yeah, it's another Nick. No, no, Nick Marotta. Nick Marotta. Nick Marotta. Yeah. He's kind of like he's kind of like Beetlejuice. You have to say his name three times. Nick Marotta, Nick Marotta, yep. Nick Marotta. So uh... <laughs> well, maybe we need a 2018 version of, of Zaxxon. Yeah, 639 version. That's 6309 version, yeah. 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 I'll readdress it. Using two megs. Two megs, yeah, using the boomerang board, That's right? So the, bo the boomerang is an accelerator. It should make it faster. <laughs> hey, you could use a 640 <laughs> mode with the, the same four colors as the original Zaxxon. Oh, the original had more than four colors. Well, the original, original Coco version. Oh, the Coco version, yeah. 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 How much RAM did your Z89 uh, take? Like, you know, it's so long ago, I, it's hard to remember, but I think it did fit in a 128K. Right. Most of the space was not taken up by graphics. It was taken up by the audio samples. Right. Yeah, I think, I think it was 128K from what I remember. Yeah. All right. Well, how about we start to plan on wrapping up part one of today's show we're going to wrap up the day show hopefully we can do another show tonight another after dark we had a great we had a great um one last week um yeah i need to save some of my brain cells and save some of the sinus pressure i got to decompress for a little bit so i can do this again um we had a good show we get, there's plenty more to talk about but we won't talk about it all now we'll save some for tonight for an after dark so we're not ending ending, but we're 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 letting you know we're going to end awesome. soon. So before we go, is there anything I didn't talk about that we probably should talk about? Ron, were you getting ready we're to say pausing. something? Yeah, we're pausing. Yes, yes. Have um, we mentioned Nick Marota? Any... <laughs> uh, we probably need. I don't we think need we have. Attend the assembly too. 
We need to cover Tandy Assembly. Well, we we know. Let me find the website. We'll I can get one of those uh, Free Harbor Freight tarps, and we can cover it with that. <laughs> I want to rent a C5 Galaxy and bring my stuff over there. A, a C5 yeah, Galaxy? You know, the big jet. The front yeah, the end huge cargo goes jet. down. Yeah. Ah, yeah, just to pick up everything yeah. from the auction. <laughs> All right. So the date hasn't changed, right? Uh, November 10th and 11th in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, Springfield, Ohio. Let's see if we have any new exhibitors that we haven't covered already. Uh, Eric Dittman, TRS-80 Clones. I think that's a new addition. Cocoman.biz. Jason is going to be there. Um, there goes the show. Digital Dino. There ah. goes the show. <laughs> Eric Canales. Okay. Paul Fiscarelli. Yay. Neil Blanchard is going to be here. Jim O'Keefe, Retro Innovations, Cloud9. Um Peter Bartlett, yeah. So we have a few more exhibits. Do we have any more speakers mentioned as of yet? Uh, Stuart Chaffee, Arno Pewter and Sasha Haberling, they, they spoke last time. It was a good speech. Thomas McLaren, uh, Arthur A. Gleckler, One Kid's Weird Journey into Software, Jim McGinley, TRS-80 Games. Do you guys recognize the name Jim McGinley? No. Not ringing yeah. a bell. Okay. Well. Glicker, I do. He wrote uh, the last Big Five software program, Weird, I think it's called. So he's oh, a, One Kid's Weird Journey into yeah, Software. He's a, so he's a game programmer for the TRS-80. Excellent. You know, back in the day, I caught the guy that started Big Five Software digging Bill through Hogue. my dumpster bin behind my office looking for source code listings. Him and I were in competition wow. back then. Hmm. Is this in during Datasoft days or pre-Datasoft? Oh, this is way before Datasoft. This is like 1979, Sad. 1980, somewhere in that time frame. Gotcha. Um, I think Chad had to leave, Nick's neighbor. But um, he was asking a question about something. So let's just talk real quick. And it's, it's kind of a joke. And I always try to make a joke out of everything. Um, but so last week we had on our two different episodes a, a couple of different copyright strikes. And it's just it's interesting how YouTube does things. And, and I, at the core of this mechanism, I believe the intent is fairly good. We want to protect people's content from being misused by other people. So at, at that core... I, I agree with that, and as a content creator, I agree with, hey, if I'm making a, a, a show, I would like people not to use my show on their show without my permission, you know, so on. So that part I agree with, but what I don't like is how YouTube's just arbitrarily, if a company, if a corporation says, hey, there's content in small-time person's video, and I now claim copyright to that content, well, then that small-time person, they have lost access to their own video. That's the part that I have a problem with, right? So if, if um, you know, if I, if I, um, if I aired something and YouTube doesn't like it, well, I would like the ability to say, okay, my bad. Let me go ahead and download my video. Let me edit out that material, and I'll just repost it minus the, the material that YouTube didn't like me showing. YouTube doesn't let you do that. 
And so that's it. So I think Chad thought I was getting banned from YouTube or something like that. It's not really a ban, but what it is, is it's just, it's, it's an inability for the person who created a video to have access to their own video. And that part I do have an issue with. I don't have an issue with um, trying to defend copyright from this kind of unilateral situation, but I do have an issue with, okay, but now you can no longer download your own video. That part I don't like. I also don't have a, I also have a problem with, um, you know, if, if I have a two hour show and there's 30 seconds of content they don't like, well, I can't monetize the other you know, one hour, 59 minutes and 30 seconds of my show. I can't monetize the entire show because of 30 seconds of content. There's just no flexibility. It's a very tight regime and how they do this. And it's just a pain in the ass. So basically what I had to do with, at least with the after dark, because Chad had asked us to show off some of these videos, you know, kids react to old computers and we showed it off and that's fine. It was okay. But those videos, um, prevented me from being able to download the episode. And I usually take those downloads so I can make the podcast. I just download the video. I strip out the audio. I make the podcast. And and I used to always create a local recording. And I stopped creating the local recordings because hey, we haven't had any issues. But um, every now and then we have this issue. Now, I also have backup places because I'm multi-stream. I can download from Twitch. I can download from Mixer. So I've got other sources to get my content back but i just i have a personal issue with this all or nothing approach that they have and at the end of the day it just it just slows me down from getting out my podcast and and like i say i agree with some of it but i don't agree with this whole total totalitarian approach that you know what that one clip means you can't have your video back you know so uh, but it, listen, that's their world and we're, we're just visiting it. So I can't control all that. But just, just to let you guys know, you know, when I, when I mentioned that we had some copyright strikes, it's just, it is what it is, you know? So, um, and so the After Dark got edited and then republished to YouTube so that those clips that were, they didn't like, they're gone. But it was just a long process for me to get to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, so I'm not banned from YouTube. Obviously, I'm here streaming. Um, you know, stuff like that. So do they have a 30 second rule kind of like, you know, fair uses for, you know, newspapers, magazines and stuff, do you know? No. Um, no, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how their algorithms work, but they, to me, the algorithms are all about avoiding YouTube from getting into a lawsuit. So it's really more about cover our asses at the expense of anybody else. You know, it's really protect us it's not and and really it doesn't feel like it's content creator friendly because i'm just this little guy here trying to make a show and because evil corp says nope you showed my video you can't have your video back and you can't monetize it i've actually had videos that were shut down like when we did the cowbell thing because nbc universal owned that saturday night sketch they shut down that video it wasn't able to be seen again and again i have a problem with a corporation having more power than me saying, no, you've, you've aired a minute and a half of our content. So your three hour show is now stricken from the record and nobody can ever see it again. To me, that's too much control and there's no balance. You know, that part I don't agree with again, but who am I? I'm just yeah. a little guy. I can't well, the reason change. I was asking is I can't like change the, the machine that on occasion too, where they've had to change some of the shows, but they basically, from what I understand, found that if you do 30 seconds or less, you can't go any past that. Then it's under the fair use yeah. copyright. And then they don't have a say in it at all. As long as you've got the video are on you, uh, 
Stevie, are you getting a? Uh, are you doing a manual review? Are you uh, disputing them? Well, in order to dispute it, and before they'll even consider disputing it, it needs to have a thousand oh, views. Another geez. convenient, another convenient thing they create that just screws small time people. They just, you know, to me, honestly, and I know I'm going on a rant here, but they're making it more and more difficult for small channels to ever have any chance of growing or making any money. And it's just, uh, to me, it's a backwards philosophy. It's anti-creator, but it is what it is. I'm not doing this to make money, obviously, because I'm still here and I still have a job. But yeah, some of the things they do, I'm not a fan of, but as a platform, YouTube has been great. 90% of you here, I know because of YouTube. So I can't complain against the big picture, but there are certain things they do not too crazy about, you know. Um, But as far as their algorithms, I don't know if the algorithm looks at the length of time and and makes any type of, Yeah, I I would guess it does because if it's based on the legal precedent, then I think the 30-second rule, from what I understand, like if you're reviewing a song or something like that, I know a lot of channels that do reviews of songs sometimes get pulled if they play too long of a song, but as long as they keep that 30 seconds or less, they generally don't get any grief from it. I don't know if that applies fully but. yeah honestly i don't i i just i don't know but you know it's just what it is but unfortunately chad's no longer here but he was asking if i was banned or something that's not a ban it's just the worst thing will happen is they will strike down a video um i think in a super extreme case if i had multiple multiple quote-unquote true violations against me they could shut down my channel um maybe after this video they might <laughs> um so who knows? Yeah. So Chris says we should build our own YouTube. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in rights and like that, there's also a sec- seven-second use that kicks in, uh, as far as you know being okay to do it. So you know, like thirty seconds, you may not be able to get away with, but you can get away with seven. But you know, YouTube, like a lot of the corporations, they don't like to tell you the algorithms because people will then game the algorithms. Sure, sure. It's kind of like dropping food on the floor. You got the two second yep. rule, right? So, is it uh, only two? Oh, geez, I'm poisoning myself. <laughs> All right. Well, we went way off on a tangent there. Uh, welcome to copyright talk. Uh, so, <laughs> I would like to do an after dark. It's it's a little after four, so maybe in about five hours we can do another one. We can do some more talking. I need some rest. Um, I'm not sure all of us will be able to return, but hopefully some of us can. And for those of you who are watching us right now in the live chat, let's recognize those people who sat through this train wreck here. Speaking of train wrecks, uh, my soundboard's not working again. And we don't have James Diffendaffer here today for the real life trains. But Davey Mitchell was here, Tim Franklin, Chad Cunnington was here, Mark Overholzer, Curtis Boyle, Eddie Serbinski, Steve Bjork, Al Hartman. Um, who else? Richard Lorbieski was in the live chat. Rob Inman was in the live chat. Retro Innovations was in the live chat. Mikey was here. I'm not sure. Mikey, is he back now from his Asian tour? Scott Went was here. Um, Who else was here? Nick Marotta. Have we mentioned Nick Marotta this episode or not? So James Jones was here. Paul Fiscarelli has been here. Coco Man has been here. Um, Who else? Kyle Eder, Eder has been here. Uh, Chad, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Coco Man, Salvador Garcia from the Glenside Color Computer Club, Tim Franklin. Uh, who else? Who else? Davey Mitchell, again. Have we caught everybody? I think we've caught everybody. Chris Peterson 
recently came by too. And still with us in the panel, we have L. Curtis Boyle, Ron Delvaux, Simon Jonason joined us, Steve Bjork, another great assembly segment. Thank you for that. Rob Inman. Everybody knows who Rob Inman is now. And so, Rob Inman, this is your life. Rick Adams has been here silently hiding in the shadows. Rick, how are you? Hello there. Thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> I was there waiting it for it. Was waiting for it. Didn't even have to ask for it now. Didn't have to ask for it. Barry Nelson, the grandfather of the RGB to SCART cable, is here. He's brought sexy back. Sexy never left, but Grant Leedy has been here. D. Bruce Moore telling us all about Coco Forever. Uh, episode 7 is here. Al Hartman from New Jersey has been here. From Down Under, Nick Marentes is here. Jason, the Coco Man Reichert. I have been your show, uh, your host for this show, Stevie Stroh. And I still don't have any sound on my soundboard. You're, you're train so wreck conductor. <laughs> That's what I train wreck conductor i've been the conductor of this train wreck so we're going to play us out with some some closing credits here and um give you another chance to reflect on any other closing thoughts and then hopefully we'll be like back Jim's? later tonight uh simon jonason did i mention simon jonason the madman was here too i did mess uh, did i mention simon i'm mentioning simon now <laughs> all right this concludes another episode of coco talk the world's leading live talk show featuring the tandy color computer for all things coco talk visit us on the web at cocotalk.live We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer links needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of oh, merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to Sound become a back. patron of the show, visit the Patreon link on our site at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morentes, Rondell Lowe, Rick Adams, Jason Reichert, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our best of episodes and bonus content. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew podcast at cococrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at glensideccc.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. Candy Assembly at candyassembly.com. Voice on Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N-Tech.com. Get your own switcheroo at cocoman.biz and Cloud9 Technologies at cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Coco Talk is hosted by Steve Strobridge, co-hosts, technical directors, segment hosts and producers, Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, Ron Delvaux, and Jason Reichert. Production motivation, Steve Bjork. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Shalar. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Shaler. Bruce Moore. Coco forever, people. And let's not forget a very special thank you to Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel on Roku. The train wreck is over, and here the Coco Cat is here. Say hi, Gizmo. Your audience is Hello. watching. So I got Uranus on because it's the end of the show.
show. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh, that, that's the other end. Right. Oh, hello, Cur- Curtis. Oh, there's Curtis my anus. Did it. I didn't realize my anus was blue it like is. a baboon. I better get that checked. Episode, no. <laughs> oh my! I need some tux medicated pads or something there. So, <laughs> how does Ron have your anus? Uh, uh, <laughs> People share their programs. Ah, too much. Okay, what is um, what is um, um, Aminbo Stone says? Okay, thanks. I never seem to get a response when I email them. What was that question? He was asking was uh, if. Cloud9 still offers the Triad 512K board. So I mentioned they're transitioning oh. to the new 2 meg version of their board and there's like like the Boomerang, which also is E2 2 meg. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Richard Lorbieski on our show has the Boomerang 2 yeah, meg board for only $49. There you go. So you guys all caught up there? All right, good. I'm just trying to catch up on the chat. All right, so if you enjoyed today's show, um, uh, hopefully we'll be back in about five hours for some more Coco Talk After Dark. I want to remind everybody who watches that you don't have to be an armchair quarterback and just talk on the sidelines in the chat. Anybody who wants to join us on the panel, you are welcome. And we'd love to have new new blood and new people on the panel um, all the time. And our nighttime shows seem to have a nice mix of different faces that aren't always on the same uh, faces you see on a daytime show. So and here's a face right here, Jason. Yeah, they'll, they'll, uh, a face that they'll let only... me on here, so anybody... <laughs> Expecting Big Buck Bunny, we apologize. Yes, hey, if you want, if you guys, what? Why? Why are you sitting in such a dark room for? Uh, I I just like it dark right now. He likes it dark when he looks at the rain. So listen. <laughs> the 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 blue light of your anus glows best in the dark. So all you guys uh, out there in um, Coco Timeland, uh, visit show us your Tandy com- computer and put uh, pictures of your machine up on there. It's pretty cool to, to see what your setup looks like. And then uh, go to Coco Pie. This is a Coco Pie plan right here that I was showing Uranus on. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's a good thing it's a low res graphic screen. That's all I have to yes. say. Yes, but can you show it in 640 for color mode? Actually, I think yes. it is in 644 color. Actually, yes. Two layers. Star Trek 13, we circle Uranus in search of polyps. Looks like it's time for a colonoscopy so, uh... there. Search of Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> Got to clean probe. up that sector of space. Here. Push the button, Frank. The probe for <laughs> the probe for polyps continues. All right, so and there's um, also Ron's garage to visit. And I, I put, there I put is, all kinds so. of content on there for no particular reason, although it is <laughs> color computer based. Generally. Well, there, there is a reason, because w- without you, Facebook would have suffer a severe content deficit. Well, so Ron hmm. Delvaux keeps the Facebook machine fed. Yeah, it wasn't me that did the 50 million people um, thing. Did you hear about that? Where you hacked Facebook? No. Facebook got yeah, hacked. hacked yeah. yeah, 50 million users. Yeah. And then now there's a guy in China, a white hat hacker, said he's going to delete Mark Zuckerberg's personal account off Facebook tomorrow live. Oh, awesome. So that'd mm. be interesting if that works. Cool. All right, so on, just to recap what Ron just said. Oh, what's that, Rick? Where's the Patreon for that? <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin, probably. <laughs> What were you going to say? All right, Francis, go ahead and hit the button. 
Yeah, so this I wanted to recap what Ron said. So Ron, so we have the TRC Color Computer Group on Facebook. That's the main group. And then Ron has one of about 13,000 other groups. So he's got Show Us Your Tandy Color Computer. He's got an OS9 group. He's got Ron's Garage on Facebook. So lots of places to go and see color computer content to your heart's desire. Anyone else want to say anything? Anyone want to plug anything before we go? Rob Inman, thanks for being here. Everybody knows who Ron Inman now is. We're Rob. Rob Inman. Rob. Rob Inman. Uh, all right. People call me Rob when, okay, well, when they have a cold. I, I still want Nick Barrett <laughs> in an OS9 game. All right. Well, you know, you can wish in one hand and see what happens, yeah. right? All right. So here's the bonus. Here's the after after closing bonus there. And these people Hi, are this is Antonio Jimenez, author of such projects such as The Stevie Throw Devil and the FD Pack. And you are watching Coco Talk. In three, two, go. One. I'm behind you making faces. Okay. <laughs> you, you have a script? You're rolling, Curtis. You say whatever you want to say. Well, give me some kind of guideline. Um, hi, this is Curtis Boyle. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, we're rolling. You say whatever you want to say, David. They should roll, sweetie. Weekly, any computer. Something like that. All right, I'm soon playing dagger with like that idiot from the book. You're watching Coco Talk. Thank you, David. Now get back up there for one second. Oh, jeez. What? Let's, let's get some drive wire, TTL, no, ESP. No, we don't need any drive wire or TTL. <laughs> Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Tech crew of people. Hi, we're on Delbo Timberman. I guess we'll to uh, experience Coco Fest. You must come. I brought the only working Pepsi 10. I could not get it. I could not get it. Could not get it. Ah. By certain someone you know. The world's leading weekly Coco Talk Show. Yeah, something like that. Hi, this is Rick Adams, and I'm the author of uh, Temple of Bronze, Shanghai, and now Bomb Threat, and you're listening to Stephen Stroke on Coco Talk. Eight slot MPI. You know, floppy drive, Coco SDC, um, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, uh, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the four slot MPI. Don't go over the four slot MPI. Whatever you do, for the love of God. You remember, folks, yes. still go to Discord. You can hear David Ladd blow you up. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. What are you trying to do about the, the floppy? Trying to make a high-density oh. drive work like a uh, uh, standard drive? Oh, that, yeah. that was hilarious. Yeah, and, it, yeah, that's one of the many reasons when I start to rage quit it, Discord. It, it um, can be done, but it's not easy. Hey, Rob Inman, since this is your first time being on the uh, on the big show, what was it like? What was it like being um, on the show versus watching the uh, show? It was, uh, I had to wear pants. Uh, to <laughs> <laughs> Says who? I didn't have to. Yeah, I'm doing it all wrong then. Uh. And I realized that I, I prepared so much for my introduction that I had 
no idea what to respond with when you actually started talking to me. So next next time I will uh, think about uh, what I'm going to do after the beginning. Okay. We got Rick Adams back there with his Coco Talk LED panel, looking good. Um, so yeah, everybody here is welcome to join us on After Dark. And as Steve Bjork mentioned, we're on Discord all the time. There is a link to our Discord server in the description of this video. Strongly encourage you to join Discord and join the discussions where. Um, we didn't cover a lot of news today. Maybe we'll get to some tonight. But there's a lot of, a lot of buzz going on in the Facebook group right now. There's some people developing some games. There's people asking questions about Cocoa hardware and and sound options and and ways to optimize code. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's been posting a lot of videos about wanting to make a game for the Cocoa 3. He's showing code samples of of scrolling and all kinds of stuff. So there's people who are sharing and asking questions to the Facebook group. And I certainly don't want to do this divide the community thing. But what I would say is that in Discord, at least the conversations are slightly organized. So there is an assembly channel. And I know Bruce Moore has been posting questions there and getting those questions answered. And there are people who are on there all the time where, you know, Facebook is not necessarily a real time um, feedback where you have closer to real time feedback, um, in discord. So if you're looking to develop something or you just want to be a fly on the wall and see what other people are talking about, Discord's a great place to, um, to hang out with your friends as well as get answers to questions and collaborate and things like that too. And again, not trying to say ban Facebook and don't go to Facebook. I think we all kind of coexist and complement each other, but if you need something a little bit more, Timely. Um, responsive, yeah, you might, a little bit more timely, you might want to try Discord. All the cool kids are doing it, so. And even me. All right, we're going to, yeah, we're going to push the button, Frank, but we'll be back hopefully later tonight. Thank you all for being here on the panel. Thank you all for watching. God bless you. Thank you. You're too kind, and good night, Push the button, Francis. (laughs) Roger Taylor was here, too. Yeah, we cannot forget Roger Taylor was here. Thank you, Roger Taylor. All right, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. He was Coco Tower in the live chat.